Hey, thanks for turning on the Uncommon People podcast. Uh, this is a show about ordinary people and their extraordinary stories. I love getting to talk with all sorts of different people and learn from them, learn from their stories, learn from their perspective. And I love getting to share these things with others. So I hope you enjoy this kind of a conversation. And if you'd be interested in having one, please reach out to me. My website is I have contact info up there so you can get in touch with me. This is episode 16 of the podcast, and here I'm sitting down and chatting with Scotty Scott. And yes, that is his real name. He explains a bit about that later on in the episode, so stay tuned. I hope you will stay tuned and know that you listen to the whole thing and get a lot of value from it. So without further ado, here's episode 16. <laughs> Small uh, it's, earthquake happening. Yeah, it's <laughs> it gets out of balance when oh, there's so like yeah. So it's like slamming against the wall. It'll creep toward the door. That's nice though. It's yeah, <laughs> Something's about to get you, and it might be your dry. Yeah. Well, it's funny because there have been days when I did my laundry and I like opened the doors. They were I don't know if you saw them there, like straight across in the kitchen if you walk into the kitchen those two double doors yeah and i opened the doors and it was like right up against the door <laughs> i was like <laughs> what happened it's breaking out it, it just like waddles on over it's yeah. like uh this summer the dryer is going to get you yeah. and it's not going to be delicate right yeah you should get on that scotty you seem like it. you're already ready to roll with yeah, that yeah i got the trailer ready and everything <laughs> and the trailer voice yeah, I just got to really get into my base today. Yeah. Like, I uh, got really uh, good. Yeah. It's yeah, not it was, easy. No. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a particular, particularly low voice anyways. No, you got so. enough of it. You're lower than I am. Am I? Yeah. I feel like it, at least to my ear, huh. I hear my voice all the time. We'll find out That's objectively a... <laughs> maybe when, when this comes out. Yeah, for all seven, uh, seven million listeners. For all you million listeners out there. Weigh in in the reviews about who live has tweet a hashtag voice. uncommon people. Yeah, uh, who has lower voice? <laughs> mm. What'd you do today, Scotty? I worked for a good a good part of it over at the the coffee shop, okay. and then um, well, before that was therapy. That was that was great. Oh, awesome! Yeah, every uh, Monday at ten a.m. Okay, uh, great. Doing therapy, and it's so great. Where do you go? If, can I ask? No, yeah, yeah. Her name is. Uh, oh my God, you're putting me on the spot here. I forget her last name for no reason. That's um, fine. We can just go first name. So oh, this, uh, Casey. Uh, her name's Casey. Okay, I remember her last name now. There's so many Caseys, and yet they all do therapy in my life. Like okay. Every single Casey I know is all spelled differently, and they're all therapists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to remember which one's my th- which one's my therapist, Casey, and which one's other therapist, Casey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Casey's great. She curses more than I more than I do. Okay. And she is really like super blunt and it's just uh-huh. what I needed. And it's a fantastic relationship, uh, therapy wise that I've never had before uh-huh. with a therapist. Cause you typically run into the same type of therapist from time to time where it's like, yeah, well, um, that's really interesting. Um, do you want to, what does that do for you? Like talk about how that makes you feel. 
It's like, yeah, cut the shit. Like, let's just, let's talk about life, be real people here. And Casey's excellent at that. So Good. did that, uh, did, did some dishes, went to work, did more dishes. Uh, pretty slow day at work today, but it worked out. Good. Went home, ate a pizza, ate some pizza, not the entire pizza. Not today. Uh, then I came here. It's pretty, uh, pretty basic day, but it was a lot of fun. It's a good. good day today. Yeah, it sounds very. Um, what's the? Well, I want to think of a good phrase for this. Productive is too, um, uh, too performance oriented. Sure, I'm with you. It's not just productive, but it was. A, it seemed like a, it was a healthy day. Yeah, it a was a day, day that you know isn't gonna. I will never go back in in time and be like. This was the day everything changed. Like the August or August, April, whatever this is. Like this is the day fifth, April twenty twenty one. This is the day that everything went 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 different. This is just going to be one of those days where it's like, hey, uh, it's a solid seven. Yeah, and sevens are great. Yeah, celebrate those days. I will live my entire life in in sevens if I could. It's better than dipping to like four all the time. Yeah, you know, like you know, four, three, six, two. Yeah. Hey, I could too. I'd live at seven if I could. Somebody asked me recently, one of the Zachs that I know, hey Zach, um, asked me, or I think maybe I asked him how his week was. Yeah. And he thought about it. You know, he put on his thinking cap. He thought about it for a moment, and then he gave me a number, a decimal. With a decimal, <laughs> like like seven point four or something like that. Respect respectable enough. Yeah, and it really made me think that it's, it's a much better way of answering that question than saying it's good. Or good How such are you? a default. Yeah, it's such a. I, I I've been getting better about people say how are you doing today, especially in service. Mm-hmm. You know, people come into come into the coffee shop like, hey, how are you doing? It's like I'm good, I'm doing great. But certain people. Who are like I guess I either know or just feel like that in that moment. I'm like, you know, it's been a day. You know, mm-hmm. kind of tired, losing that coffee high that I had from earlier. But we're gonna push through and we're gonna get get through it. And we're gonna make it happen. Yeah. And people don't know how to take that sometimes. They're like, um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'll do a large americano with. Because yeah. <laughs> some people are there just to order. I love though being the person who asks the question and gets the honest response. Did I? I never. Did I ever tell you what Ashton, who my coworker is, did I ever tell you what she said whenever you first walked into the coffee shop whenever I was working? No. So for all the listeners at home, uh, I work at a at a coffee shop, and I was working on that day. That specifically, I typically work by myself, and I was working with uh, a girl who like works openings, and I typically close. But we had a little shared time. And so uh, a car pulls into the parking lot, and out comes Joel. And I'm like, oh, that guy kind of looks like somebody I know. Uh, and she's like, oh, no, this guy, his, uh, his name's, uh, I think it's Joel. He'll talk your ear off. Like, he will talk <laughs> your ear off. And I was like, I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> I think we talked for like 30, 45 minutes that day. That's great. It was a long time. You paid a lot of attention to how you made my cappuccino. I was very I that. specific. Yeah. Because it's so – cappuccino is one of the worst ones when it comes to everybody knows exactly what they want and it's all different depending on how you make it. It's a shop difference. And so mm-hmm. I definitely said like you got to let me know yeah. how this is. Uh-huh. I wanna, I'm trying to make it perfect and I want to know what you think about it. 
You gave I'll, me a very honest response, and I do appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, like I said, I enjoy being the person who asks someone a question and gets an honest response. So in turn, I want to give honest responses. Because I never trust anybody who, uh, whenever I say, like, hey, what do you think of the drink? Oh, it was great. I'm like, okay, but, like, actually, like, you don't have to, you don't have to BS me. Tell me what you actually think. It's important to me. A lot of the time, though, I, that is my genuine response. Like, sure. It was great. Yeah. But since you were obviously looking for, like, more insight on what it, what it was like, mm-hmm. then I had to. It was great, but it was also he was, uh, yeah. You know, ex- here's why it here's, was great. I'm going to expound now better. why it was great. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's it's important to me. I'm always willing to to grow and get better, no mm-hmm. matter what the thing may be. I always enjoy honest and oftentimes harsh feedback. It's it's good. That's a good skill to have. Yeah, I I don't know if I would say I'm this good at that. As a as a professional actor, which if you're listening at home, that's what I actually do for your career. Whenever my career's not on pause because of a global super pandemic but as a professional actor you had to learn very quickly like you're gonna you're gonna get jobs because you're talented which is like normal like that's how everybody thinks like oh obviously the most talented person gets the role you're gonna get jobs because you know somebody and you're gonna get jobs because you look a certain way and inversely you're gonna lose jobs because of all three of those different things mm-hmm. and you're gonna have people tell you hey uh like legit companies you'll audition for that you'll go in, be vulnerable for 90 seconds, and they'll be like, hey, you're too fat. Like, you don't look like we want you to look, and we just aren't, we aren't interested. Like, I've had people, multiple people tell me that. And you just have to learn really quickly how to get used to it, get over it, or else your entire, you know, evening would be spent, like, sobbing into a pillow mm-hmm. because you didn't get something because of something you can't control. You just had to get, you had to get over it, and you had to get over it quickly. Were the early... The early stages of that were, were those evenings spent sobbing uncontrollably. It was it was uh, it was high school. Whenever I learned that, uh, whenever you are sixteen, you have a full beard and a receding hairline, that you're not going to play the young, attractive lead. You're going to play somebody's dad. You had to get <laughs> used to it. And so I remember, oh my gosh, when was it? My junior year of high school. It was um, it was Little Women the Musical. Which I'm actually going to go see my college perform in a couple weeks, which I'm very excited oh, about. Oh, okay. Cool. But uh, I did it back in high school. Little Women is all their age right now. It's a big show. It's a big show. Uh, the musical is just okay, but I love it for you know, a lot of different reasons, mostly mm-hmm. nostalgic. But I really wanted this one specific character, uh, professor, the, the professor who is like the love interest by the end. He's mm-hmm. older, which I was like, sick. Yeah. Older, I'm in. Yep. Uh, but no, I instead got the 70-year-old grandpa. And I was just so beat He's up He's great, it. though. Everybody loves that guy. Nobody likes him in the musical. He sucks. Oh, really? He gets a song, a little frumpy, like, <laughs> meh, 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 song, and, like, nobody cares about him because his entire storyline gets cut, more or less, because you got to really focus on, you know, telling a story in Right. I guess the musical version's got to be a little different. you gotta, you got to cut out some uh, some filler, and I was definitely filler. So I remember I was crushed whenever I got the co- and they saw the cast list because I was like, I'm sick and tired of playing the old guy. And I just want to play something different. I want to, you know, I'm, this isn't all I am. I'm 17 years old or 16 maybe at that point. And I was like, this sucks. I hate it. I'm not doing this ever again. And it turns out uh, you said to grow the hell up and get over it or else you just were going to be miserable in, in, in that art form. So now I embrace it. And professional, like I, coming out of college, I'm 23 years old, 22, 22 years old. And... I immediately go into playing um, – I played a lot of dads in Spring Awakening. I played a dad in Beauty and the Beast. I played 
Uh, I played a dad in another show I was in. Like, there's only one show I've played for money where I wasn't somebody's father. Only one. And, uh, yeah, I'm used to it at this point. It's that's just, an honorable role, man. The hey, and fathers the are important people. I'll be, I'll be working for the next 50 years at this point. Like, I'm already there, baby. Yeah. You're looking for somebody who looks 40? I'm 24 and I already <laughs> look 40, baby. Let's party. <laughs> so is this primarily like musicals that you do most of the time yeah just stage acting in general i don't know what i typically do i like it a lot i think it is one of the rare times that we as an entire you know like i go to a show and uh for two hours however many people are watching the show let's say like 500 people are there to watch a show that night for two hours those 500 500 people are doing something in unison i think that's really beautiful like the, the, the energy transfer from audience to performer is very unique. And it's just some, something that's very beautiful. It's something that's rare, I think, in modern times. So I love doing it. Hmm. Um, so that's what I primarily will do. I've performed in a lot of musicals. I've done a couple plays. Um, I did one show that was like an interactive experience on an actual train. It was like a, based on the Polar Express movie. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, that was how I spent Christmas in New Orleans, and that was a lot of fun. That's awesome sounding. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was like I was technically me. I was still Scotty, uh-huh. but I was definitely playing a character. And so like, it was very much like a personal relationship-based theater where you would actually learn the people's names and like talk to them and like as they're real people because they are, and you would build relationships for the hour-long process. It was really cool. So that's what I typically will do. Like I'll just I. <laughs> I always said a good actor is a working actor, and as long as you're paying me, I'll do whatever you want me to do within reason, within reason. But I am all about trying new things out, and especially if there's money involved with it. Yeah, I'm always I'm always down for an adventure. There is nothing fishy about anything you just said. No, no, nothing at all. Take that completely out of context. <laughs> print it in a newspaper. We're gonna. I'll put that at the end. I'm starting to do like a little snippet at the end of the show after oh, we're the credits roll. At that point. <laughs> it's okay. Nobody. I'll listens. never work again. Nobody listens that far. No, that's okay. Fine. That's that's. I'm sad. curious if anybody has. I don't have enough people listening at all. I think who are telling me about listening to know if anybody actually gets that far. And there's only been a couple that are like all the way. No doubt, Joey came into the coffee shop today, and he we had a full conversation because you told him that I was going to come on the show today. I was going to yeah. record, uh-huh. and we had a full conversation about all the different episodes he's listened to. He's he's almost caught up, hundred percent. Yeah. No, he's Joey and um, my friend Haley are who was on the show are definitely my biggest fans so far. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're there. So I, I, I would bet you money that Joey's listened to the end and he knows exactly what you're talking about. And he's listening to it right now. Uh, and he's freaking out, like screaming into the a microphone that you cannot hear him in saying, no, I understand. I'm there. <laughs> Joel, listen to me. Wow. We, I don't know if I've talked so much to a, a listener in, in the episode before. Am I, am I, I usually say like, hi, mom. Hi, mom. Okay. Because my mom. Listens. I think she still listens to most episodes. She probably <laughs> I, doesn't listen. No, nah, she's the way she's she's cutting out. She's tired of it. That, yeah. The formula's washed at this point, Joel. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's getting crazy. what are we like? Sixteen episodes in. That's crazy. It is. Like I, I was. When in... I first talked to you, this wasn't even. This was an idea. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty. That's pretty fun, man. Yeah, it's been an idea for a long time, and uh, yeah, I went into work 
the other day and said like, hey guys, episode 14 is up. It's released. Um, and one of my coworkers was like, whoa, really? I feel like last time you said anything about it, you were on like four. I thought like, it, well, I, I guess it's been 10 weeks. Quit by now. It's just amazing to me to think of it in terms of the time that's gone into it. Yeah. And if the last time I talked about it was episode four and we're on 14 now, I've released for 10 more weeks. It's still going. I'm, just, I'm happy that I'm still like, I've still managed to release every week. You're plugging away, my man. Yeah. That's the thing they always say. Just keep recording, keep pushing play and or keep mm-hmm. pushing record and it'll, it'll all work out. Yeah. Consistency is really important. Yeah. Cause I mean, realistically, maybe someday this is a popular podcast. I don't know, but that could be. It's already a popular podcast. Three years. You have 7 million listeners. Right. Exactly. I don't know when I got to seven, but man, <laughs> I knew it was somewhere in the millions. But it could be years, you know? Yeah. But it won't be if a year from now I I'm just give up and don't do it anymore. For sure. So I'm glad it's something that I enjoy to do. I enjoy doing it as well. I really enjoy seeing those success stories too. There's a YouTuber I, I followed uh, whose name is also Joel, surprisingly. He's named Joel Haver. And he does a lot of these okay. animated videos. He's a, he's a really interesting – he makes films, like short films and everything like mm-hmm. that. And for a while, like I think I ran into his videos. He did a video about like uh, making fun of like video game logic, like what like the NPCs who are walking around saying all the stories that bits, uh-huh. like what they react to whenever you're doing like dumb stuff. And yeah, yeah I watched that video and it had like like a few thousand views. He had like you know uh, maybe like eight thousand subscribers, and then it was so cool to watch that video go viral. And then his next video goes viral because he has a super unique animation style that he was doing this in. And so now he's like over a million subscribers. And this happened like in a matter of three months, this all happened. And it's like, oh, that's really cool mm-hmm. that in a completely saturated, inter- you know, a content market like YouTube, like this can still happen. Somebody can blow up because they're just really good at something. And like he'd been doing this for three years, making great content. And he has his entire backlog that's fascinating. And I'm just, I find that super encouraging for mm-hmm. content creators that like those stories still exist. Yeah. And if you really enjoy what you're doing, just keep doing it anyways. Yeah. Cause that's why I'm doing this anyway. This is the reason I decided to pursue this. And the reason I pursue other things in my life too, is that not that just, I need to make money on them. So that means I have to do them, but I like doing them. So I would like to make money doing it yeah but the you start by doing it without making money from it sure you know photography is a love of mine i love shooting and <clears throat> why didn't i turn away from the mic when no I you really that? want to make sure like, it's, <laughs> it's it only adds to the authenticity <clears throat> of the recording yeah exactly um but yeah i i told myself you know you i want to do it and the thought that there's a possibility I could do it professionally is amazing. But before I do that, I have to do it just personally. I have to just enjoy doing it. Yeah. I mean, I would tell anybody if who's thinking of like doing something professionally, well, first do it for fun. And if you don't like it, then why would you try and do it professionally? Yeah. Because you can get any job you don't like and do professionally. You know, why Too not go, jobs. why not go wake, work at the bank? You know, <laughs> throwing a little bit of shade. Yeah. Throwing at shade. Your current, current occupation. Yeah. 
There's no shame in that. I, yeah, and even no then, shame. like, there's still, no like, inversely, things you would rather do as a hobby than as a career. Mm-hmm. Love to cook. I really love to cook. And a lot of people have been like, why wouldn't you, like, like when are you going to, like, half-jokingly, like, how when are you going to open up a restaurant? And, like, I hate cooking for mass groups of people. Like, I don't want to, like, I just love the small personal nature of it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to invite a friend over. I'm going to spend three hours putting something really over the top together. And it's, I'm going to share that with that person. That's what I care about. I like the scientific, rudimented aspect of cooking, but that's not what I love doing. I love sharing it with people. Mm-hmm. I can't do that as personally in a in a professional setting. Yeah. Unless you go in Ramsey and you just decide exactly what you want to do and people still pay you tons of money to do it. I look like, forward no, to the day I'm just going to get We're opening a restaurant and we only have four people at a time in. Yeah. There's actually a, there was a place like that. Uh, before the pandemic hit, I never got to go. I don't even remember what it's called, but it was in the Onyx Coffee Roasters, like Rogers Building, it was right next to the okay. bar called the Foreman. Um, oh yeah, I don't remember what that place was called. And I'm getting all you know, all the listeners right now are yelling it out of their heads, hoping that I can feel it in my heart what they're saying. Are you talking about the bar upstairs? No, not the bar. It was next to the bar. It's that door to the left as you go up those stairs. That was like a small kitchen restaurant and you would reserve a spot and they would make everything in front of you. It'd be like a very conversational process, but like very small plates, very small uh, process. But I had a couple of friends who went and they were like, Scotty, you would love this. Like this would be your your thing, 100%. And then pandemic hit and I was like, well, I don't even know if they're ever going to come back. That's the sad thing about, that's the sad truth about anything, you know in a different type of world, but, uh, I would love to try it. Love yeah. to try it. And I, and that's, that would be what, I, that would, that would be something I would do. I would do something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't consider my cooking that good. I'm good enough for a 24 year old single dude who's a couple of years out of college. Like that's like, I'm really impressive for that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I'm just okay. Gotcha. That's all you need. Yeah, if you can enjoy it and you can make the experience great for like friends and family. Man, you don't need to be Gordon Ramsay. I just got a basket. I don't know if Gordon Ramsay is actually good. I think he probably is. His recipes are really, really fun. But but he's the example I use because everybody knows his name. Yeah, you know, it's like you don't need to be Tony Hawk. Just skate. You know, like everybody knows who I'm talking about. I'd love to be the Tony Hawk of cooking. Tony Hawk of cooking. Like I want to be to cooking what Tony Hawk is to cooking. Whatever he cooks, <laughs> I want to be that guy. <laughs> He probably eats like mac and cheese and yeah, PB and J. He's doing that solid box macaroni and cheese with hot dogs in it. That's he, gourmet. I can legitimately see him doing that. Let's call him up right now. Because I'm thinking like he can do whatever he wants. Like he's in a place now. He's incredibly successful. He could be. He could. He could have thought years ago. I want to take a year to just get really good at cooking, so I can cook all my own meals and it'll be great. He could have done that. Or he could be like, I have a bunch of money. I'm just going to hire a professional chef and he's going to cook all of our meals for us. I would imagine that would probably be the case on that one. But he seems too down to earth and skater bro to hire a professional chef to cook all his meals. Have you heard some of the stories of his where he is literally like one of the, the celebrities? Everybody knows his name, but not a lot of people could pick him out of a crowd. No, I haven't heard of this. There's a, there's a lot of stories that he shares where like, I think there was at one point he was at a skate park and I'm probably butchering the story, but he posted about it on like his Twitter or something like that, where he was like, uh, at the skate park and this kid's like 
do you skateboard? He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, uh, do you like doing it? He's like, yeah, just a little bit. It's, it's pretty fun. And he's like, are you good? Like, yeah, I'm pretty good. Not too bad. He's like, can you do like a kickflip? He's like, yeah, I can do a kickflip. He's like, that's cool. Are you, uh, you know who Tony Hawk is? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I know who Tony Hawk is. He's like, are you as good as him? And he's like, no, probably not. <laughs> not as good as Tony Hawk. He's talking to Tony, Tony Hawk. Hawk this like eight year old kid doesn't know who this guy looks like, but he's actually talking to the real Tony Hawk. That's because the Tony Hawk he's seen is probably much less winkly. That's fair. But also, what a great name for a skater. Yeah. Tony Hawk. Do you think it's a great name for a skater because it is the name of the greatest skater? Or no, like, vice a, versa? That's, it's, okay, it's succinct. It's got three syllables. And it's cool. Like, Hawk. He's a it is cool. great surname. And, like, Tony, like, that's got some flavor to it. It's got some marinara on that. Like, Tony Hawk is a great name. That's the same thing with, like, in basketball, there's a player mm-hmm. called Zion Williamson. Yeah, How, I've heard of him. Yeah, he's a great, he's young, he's a really great player. But he, would he be as good of a player if his name was, like, uh, uh, Brad Thompson? No. It would be Zion Williamson. Well, there I have been as, like... I don't know how to start these sentences because I was about to say there have been studies. Which is the, it's just not <laughs> a good John way to start Hopkins a University, 2014. I know there are studies out there examining the effect that a people's names have on how their life plays out. Because your name is the first thing oftentimes that people know about you. Mm-hmm. Your name in some way affects your first impression, how people start thinking of you. And what people think of you, like, dramatically affects where you end up in life. Yeah. If you go through high school or just up up to high school or whatever, up to adulthood, and everybody's called you a bum, you're probably not going to be the most successful person. Sure. Because you're going to believe that. Everybody calls me a bum. I'm not going to accomplish much. My name is Bum Bumson. Like, uh, you know. No apologies to, uh, to Mr. and Mrs. To, Bum Bumson out there. Who's listening Bum to the podcast. There is felt a, really attacked when you you said that. There's this episode, something big fan of the Simpsons. Okay. There's this episode of the Simpsons where Homer is trying to. Get, I think he's been banned from Moe's Tavern. Yes. And he's trying to get into. Um, He's trying to get in, get back into there or into a bar, some other bar. Mm-hmm. And he goes in. Ah, oh, dang it. His name is slipping my, my mind. Well, now the story's ruined. I know. The story is ruined. Somebody out there knows what I'm talking about. They're yelling at the, at the microphone right now. He, he goes into the... So, Homer... Sure. ...goes into Moe's Tavern... And he has, like, a mustache on and a top hat. And Mo tells him, like, his disguise is bogus. He needs to get out. And he says, I'm not Homer. I'm... Bum Bumson. Bum Bumson. Ah. Why can't I remember that? I'm really disappointed I don't remember this. You're going to remember, like, you're going to wake up at 3 in the morning in a cold sweat. I'm almost assuredly going to remember when I lay down to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. It's the thing that's going to haunt you for the rest of your life. Yeah. 
Joey. It's Joey something. No, Joey's Joey out. Joey Jojo. Yeah, Joey's out there screaming into the mic right now. Joey Jojo. Is, is it actually Joey that Jojo? Is, that's the name. Look at that. Joey Jojo. Miracle's view come true. And he kicks him out, and you see, like, Bonnie go running after him. He's like, hey, Joey Jojo. And then Homer walks by on the street, and he, like, walks by him, the guy who's laying on the sidewalk. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Bum Bumson. <laughs> just know, Bum Bumson, if you ever go to a bar... Shout out to the guy who just honked his horn outside. If you ever go to a bar, uh, you might get kicked out and mistaken for somebody else. Yeah. It's just as, as, it, as it is. Just go by like Steve or something. Yeah. yeah. Change your name to Steve. Yeah. Steve Bumson. I'd buy, I'd buy insurance from Steve Bumson. Steve Bumson? That's pretty good. Not Bum Bumson. State Steve. Farm. Steve Bumson. <laughs> Bum's like the, the, the middle name with the, the, the quotation marks. People just call me yeah. Bum. Yeah. Yes. How long have you been in coffee now? I were you gosh. in it? Be, you were in it before you came to Confident. Right? I, I did. I, I worked with a like a local breakfast restaurant, and they supplied. And I and I'm only salvaging. I'm only hiding the name because of how I ended my time with that said breakfast breakfast restaurant. Okay. But they work with Onyx. They have Onyx products, and so whenever we were opening up the restaurant. I was on the opening team and they're like, who wants to go train with Onyx for two days and like learn the whole espresso process? And I was really interested because at once upon a time I volunteered for one of the a church I went to whenever I was like in my mid teens, started this like coffee shop, Christian ministry outreach thing. And mm-hmm. so like I volunteered at this coffee shop and I knew nothing. Like they did not train me. I just really kind of just pretended like I knew what I was doing while making this coffee. And, uh, like I, I knew enough for back from then be like, okay, I kind of know coffee. And so I went to the, the, I went this, did this training and it was literally the first day was eight hours long. And the guy who was training all of us, like who just opens up the, everything goes, so like, what is coffee? And I'm like, dude, it's like eight in the morning. (laughs) We don't need to go through the, the. The, the psychological breakdown of what we all feel personally what coffee is. Like, let's just do this. But no, it was like, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a whole long process. I don't even think we touched the machine that in that eight-hour day. <laughs> no, no, you don't touch. No, you have to know. You can look about. You, you can, can look at it. You can't touch, but you can feel. Feel with your heart. <laughs> People like that exist, man. It's nuts. Yeah, I, I'm aware. I did that. And then, so I basically was the guy who, there was like five of us who did training. But... One guy who I worked with, his family owned Kennedy Coffee Roasters okay. up in Bentonville. Great shop. And so, like, I learned a lot from him uh, whenever he would be actually at the restaurant because he would typically be working on the machine. And I would, uh, we would, yeah, I would make stuff with him and, like, we'd share ideas. And, you know, he's a great guy. I haven't talked to Landon in a while, but Landon, if you're out there listening, hit me up. Let's, Len, let's, let's get coffee sometime. Solid name. Yeah. I like that. It makes me think of John Lennon first and, and Lennon the dictator. Or was Landon. Landon. Landon? Yeah. Less okay. solid than Lennon. Okay. Yeah, it's still, it's still a good game. Landon. Good name. Landon. Even a better, it's a good name, but even a better game. Landon. Landon. Yeah. You said game the first time. I was making fun. I, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> but so I, I did that for a while. And so then I went in. I left under Rocky terms uh, with that company. Uh, and so then after I had... 
I had booked a job, I actually performed during the pandemic, which was a really interesting experience. But it was a week before I was going to leave right across the street from where I live, opened this coffee shop. And I've been waiting for so long because I've seen the stuff and I've been really excited for it. So that first week, because I had one week until I had to leave, I went in every single day to do work. I was just working on my script. I was doing all this different acting stuff. And like that's how I met Amber, who owns the shop. And we became friends through that experience because I would just come in all the time and we'd just talk. It was after I got laid off in Pennsylvania because I had to shut down the entire state. I came back to Arkansas with like, okay, I what am I going to do? Uh, how am I going to pay my bills coming up? Like I, I was very, I'm very blessed to be a very frugal person. So I had money. I had plenty of time to figure it out. But I was like, I want to, I want to be somewhere that I feel like is right. I, wanna, I don't want to just take a, a, a nothing job. I want to, I want to work somewhere that I feel like is really beneficial for me. Mm-hmm. And so I walk, you know, I'm, I'm at the coffee shop and Amber isn't there yet. Um, I think it was Ashton who was working that morning uh, and she was, I was like, hey, is uh, Amber going to come in today? She's like, yeah, maybe a little bit later, but she's just not here right now. Totally fine. And so I sit at the spot I had always sat at right next to the window. And this, keep in mind, this was mid-December when this happened. This was like, I haven't talked to Amber in months. But she walks in, immediately goes, Scotty, what are you doing back so early? Because I was supposed to be back like two, week, two weeks from then. And I'm like, not only do you remember my name, you remember exactly what I was doing and what time I was supposed to come back. Like, that's special to me. So I ended up talking to her about the whole situation, the story, while I got sent you know, home. And I was like, yeah, now I'm just applying for jobs and hoping something works out. She's like, why don't you just come work here? I was like, Interesting. <laughs> I was hoping that would be like in my whenever I think about it, I'd be like that'd be kind of cool if I could just work at the the coffee shop across the street, and it worked out. So I've been doing that for about, gosh, we're approaching month four, which I don't think I've ever worked at one place for four months before. I'm very really? much a nomadic person. I like working at a lot of different stuff, and so I, uh, it's been great, and I've learned a lot, and now I'm almost a personality at that shop. I have people coming in telling me like, oh, I've heard from my friend that you're really good at this. And I'm <laughs> like, man, I just, I guess I'm just talking out of my butt enough because that's how it's working out. You're certainly, at the very least, one of the most distinctive people there. <laughs> I'm the only guy, for you're one. You're the only guy. <laughs> and I am definitely the most outgoing and the most like outwardly pretentious. Like, I think coffee should be for everybody and everybody mm-hmm. should be included. I'm very inclusive. But I'm definitely like, oh, you want the black coffee? So this is actually a single origin Costa Rican or, you know, it's going to be in the medium, medium light range. It's going to be that light roast though. It's going to have a nice toasted almond at the very middle. It's going to have a caramel body. You're going to really be smooth and easy on the back end of the finish. And they're like, thanks. <laughs> that's, that's what I am. Yeah. So uh, a distinctive is a really great way to put it. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. And and yeah, also being the only guy living there, it doesn't hurt. It definitely yeah. doesn't hurt. The chime is still going. And you should have. What the heck? You said you were going to turn that off. And I, I feel lied to. So story time. I got a watch. That's a great story. I know. Anyway, you were saying. <laughs> that cannot be the. No, no, no. <laughs> I I really like watches, but I've also struggled to not dislike the feeling of wearing a watch. Yes. Typically, when I've had one, I like the look of it. I like having something that I can glance at and know the time from, but I don't like the feeling of it being there. I like the freedom of not having anything on. Just mm-hmm. having the ring on on it is like enough for me most of the time. 
But I wanted to get a watch. I saw this one when I was doing some clothes shopping for the first time in three or four years. And I bought it. And I really like it. And it has, it's digital. It's uh, silver. It's got a, a band on it that looks like one of those um, adjustable link bands. It's got some, but but it's but it's stretchy somehow. It's nice. I think it's a sort of spring mechanism. Here you can feel it. Okay. I think it's a, some sort of spring mechanism in there. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what it looks like. It's a Timex. It's called the Timex T80, which now I mean, you can just Google it. But say this episode of Uncommon People brought to you by Timex. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, but, Use my promo code uncommon yeah. oh, to save fifteen percent at promo checkout. Code, yeah, um, but I bought the watch. I really like it. I yeah. wear it every day, all the time, because I now do not work in food service and can wear a watch all That's the time. Um, and it has an alarm, so I don't even sleep with my phone in my bedroom anymore. I leave my phone in the living room. It's a good call. It's it's great. So I don't I. I tend not to even look at my phone from at least a few minutes before I go to bed until often about lunchtime. Wow. Because I get up, I read and just like kind of chill and drink coffee, maybe read my Bible, like pray for a bit in the morning and eat something. Sometimes I have coffee, sometimes not. And then I go to work and I don't have my phone on me at work. Until I take my lunch, I take it out, catch up, on, see if there's anything to catch up on. And surprise, mm-hmm. surprise, usually there's not anything really important happening on my phone. You're trying to tell me you don't want to know about somebody's uh, morning exercise routine? So that is not something I've got notifications on. Yeah. But I do get group message notifications and different stuff. A lot of memes. With half the time it is memes because me and my roommate and a few other people are in a group message that is almost – completely just memes it's solid which is really interesting to me as someone who's never been a consumer of memes um so i get to just experience it through there sometimes i open the notification i'm like oh that's funny <laughs> yeah it's so and sometimes i actually laugh out loud yeah it's great but anyway well. it has an alarm and it has an hourly chime when i get bought the watch it did not chime it did not make any noises it didn't make any noise when you press buttons and it didn't chime on the hour. Uh-oh. Within the last week, it started chiming every hour. It's a sign. And and I can't I can't get it to stop. I don't know how. Did you look this up? I did. I looked at Timex's instructions for the watch. And I can't I can't find I can't figure out how to turn it off. So That's insane. So that's that's this episode what of Uncommon People hear. not brought to you by Timex. No. Come on, Timex. You know, I'm I'm probably gonna have to email them or something. Oh, I can't. Like, wait I need help. Super, like true. Like I bought the watch and it is not a functional properly. Yes, I talked about it on my podcast. If you want to <laughs> like listen, link to it. Yeah, like it's about forty-three minutes in. We're talking about your watch. Let's collect. So that'll explain what's happening. <laughs> you have to listen. I will not explain. You have to. Listen. Yeah, like sorry, sir. You, can you elaborate on what's wrong? Nope. No. I've already done enough. But otherwise, I, I like the watch. It's great. Yeah. It looks nice. It, it, it's, it's one of those, like, it's comfortable and casual enough that you'd be able to wear it without feeling bad about it. But mm-hmm. it's definitely upscale enough that, like, if you, for some reason, were really dressed up, you could wear that and nobody would be like, 
Who's this guy? Yeah. With the watch. Especially at the time when people wear the, this kind of watch yeah. all the time. Often the more like the plastic ones. Um, like a swatch. Yeah, it's just, they're just very, they're in style. Even, even the watches with the, the like um, calculator on them. That Ooh, kind of thing. Those are good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had one, but see, I I recently got an Apple Watch. I got okay. it as a gift, and right. okay. uh, that is a new experience. It's like one of those things that, like, if I didn't get it as a gift, I would never have bought it for myself. But I, it's one of those things that's bad because it's like when you ingrain yourself into like a new piece of technology, or even just like any sort of like method or habit that you form. If I forget to wear my watch, I'll catch myself. I'll be like at the grocery store. I'm like, I wonder what time it is. And like looking at my naked wrist, I'm like, I'm an idiot. Every single time. I'll do that at least five more times that day. And I know I am not wearing my watch, but I'll at least, you know, it's just habit forming. It's like one of those Mm -hmm. bad things. You look back and you're like, oh, this is not, this isn't good. Do you wear it most of the time then? Most of the time. If I don't wear it, it's because I just forgot that it's on my like bedroom nightstand charging mm-hmm. with a nice little like magnetic charger thing. I will just forget about it sometimes cuz I guess hey heck I'm still there where I can forget about it, which is great. Yeah. You know, I'm not completely a slave to technology. Mm-hmm. But uh no, it's it's definitely uh, a most of the time situation. I'll even wear it at work. Uh and that's something that kind of shocked a couple people whenever it's like, "Oh, you'd be willing to wear it like in with all this different stuff." I'm like, uh, I have it." I'm, if if I break it while I'm, while I'm using it, then at least I used it well. I don't want to just like have it be in a box somewhere and be like, oh, I can never open it until it's very it's time. Yeah, I I'm not in that place anymore. I don't know if I have ever been in that place, but pretty much everything I own, especially if it's something that I wear or that I carry around regularly, if mm-hmm. it can't stand up to the abuse that I put it through just through not thinking about how I'm throwing it around, then it's not good enough product for me. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, okay, well, I need something tougher than this. Yeah. Like, like my it's, bag, it's point. my not the backpack that's in there, but my, like, satchel, my shoulder bag that I have yes. has been beat up. And I do not go easy on it mm-hmm. because I know it can handle it because it's been beat up at this point and it handles it well. I yeah. once, it once... I would ride with it strapped, like wrapped on the um, rear carrier on my bicycle. And one time the the shoulder strap actually came off and it got tangled in the wheel. And so the bag went down and like got stuck in my wheel and forced me to brake. <laughs> and I actually tore it a little bit. It's this really heavy-duty Cordura canvas, but it got caught in bicycle spokes. So... It tore a little bit. Yeah. And I sent it back to Wotencraft. Wotencraft, if you want to sponsor me, I'll, I'll be very happy. Let's do it. Sent it back to Wotencraft, and they had like a three-year um, free repairs policy. The best. And they patched it up for me and, and gave me a new strap, too, because the strap had been kind of damaged. Yeah. I abuse my possessions. <laughs> I, I really abuse. do. It's just a thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, like, just cut that one part where it's just, like, just you saying I abuse, and I'm gonna use it <laughs> against you whenever you ever run for political office. I abuse. I'm gonna screw you over with that. 
everything. <laughs> just, I can funny. promise you, I won't ever run for a political office. Oh man, I I, yeah. I would love to uh, to see what the platform would be like. I'd be very interested in that. It would be interesting, but it's not going to happen. I'm, man, one day I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I'm going to I'm going to use it. You're going to run for like a school board position somewhere <laughs> or something like that. Something <laughs> stupid. Nothing against school board position holders. Something stupid. Like valu- it's very board. valuable. <laughs> We're very thankful for your for your effort. Yeah, I know. I actually know several people who are on school boards, and that that will come back to bite me in the ass. Okay. So, what was your school experience? I tend to interact with a lot of homeschoolers. Yeah. Were you Were you a homeschooler? I was or a public a school student. My mom was a public school teacher. Okay. Completely in the public school pro- process. I. Was a proud alum of Holcomb Middle uh, Holcomb Elementary School in Fayetteville, early childhood. Okay. I also did a couple of stints in Farmington's, which is just outside of Fayetteville, mm-hmm. uh, Farmington's mm-hmm. elementary school system. I moved down to Russellville, going into fourth grade. So I did public school all the way through. Uh, enjoyed as much as I could enjoy the Russellville school system. Russell has its. It's one of those town that's big enough to do stuff, but town that still has a lot of small town politics. Mm-hmm. So you run into the worst of both worlds there. But I mean, I was very blessed. They, for my personal journey, they put a ton of money. They just built this new fine arts facility whenever I got to the high school. Okay. So there was all this money and this brand new state of the art facility that's still, admittedly, one of the best in the country. Like it is an incredible facility. That mm-hmm. country is one of the best in the state. I don't know why I said country, but one of the best in the state. Yeah, just go all the way with it. Yeah, might as well just say, you know, Russellville, Arkansas has one of the best in the country. Now, one of the best in the state, and it's really well done. And so I was very blessed to be able to, like, grow up in my artistic experience with that facility and with a lot of funding in the arts. Like, our high school productions had a ton of money pumped into them because that was the way they showed off the facility. My senior Mm -hmm. year, we did Shrek the Musical. I played Shrek, as any large white man would play Shrek. Uh, I... So I, I did this, and they, they were like, we're going to show off this new facility. Every single student in the rest of the school system is going to watch this show. So we had all these different school shows for, like, the high school, the junior high, the middle school, all the elementary schools. Like, every single kid in that school system watched this show. And so it was, you know, just there, – there was an investment, and there was a lot of money pumped into it, uh, which is just very – you know, I was blessed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, what, why, why did you go from Fayetteville to Russellville? My mom just moved to be closer to family down there. So she was teaching up in Farmington and it was really just her, my mom, her being my mom and then my sister. Um, and that was it. Like that was just us three. Uh, and then we moved to get closer to family going into 2007, I believe is when it was. And then we came... We ended up coming back up here. Uh, Mom got a job up in Pea Ridge teaching for them not too long ago, just a few years ago. Okay. And so I was still in college at that point. So I would just come back, uh, helped with the move and everything. But, I, you know, whenever I graduated college, I was just on the road all the time performing. But when I came back and it was kind of evident that we, we were going to have to stay for a while, like I was going to have to go off the road completely. I was very blessed because I had enough friends from college to kind of plug into. And that's how I, you know, really became close with Andrew, mm-hmm. who's my roommate now. Um, like that's, you know, the relationship that built there. So we got a place together and it just kind of worked out. I didn't expect to root myself 
here. Like I was expecting to be on the road again in just a couple mm-hmm. weeks, but on the road again. Yeah, yeah. But don't I they sing ex- that in Shrek? Uh, I was. Uh, I can't wait to get on the road again. Don't they sing that in the, in the movie? movie? In, in the, the movie. movie, they should have put that in the musical. Full circle. I would have. I would have liked that. Look at you making those connections. Yeah. So you, so your mom, your mom was a single mom. Is yeah. That right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was pretty much just us three for a very long time, and uh, my grandmother was heavily involved in my life as well. But uh, you know, and they were family. Whenever it was, it was you know, it worked out. I have a couple of uncles. I have you know my grandfather as well. But yeah, more or less in terms of the tight knit family, it was just my mom and my sister and me. Was there a divorce just real young or? Yeah, my uh, my dad was kind of out of the picture after mm-hmm. a year. Okay. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it was just us three. And uh, it was, it, 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 it had its moments. I had to really grow up quickly. And I had yeah. to really learn to uh, cope with not having a father actively in my life at a young age. Like, I'm not sure this is a thing universally. But in the schools I was a part of, there was this thing called like the Watchdog Dad program. And it was literally like, you know, you can sign up your dad and your dad's going to come to school this one day a week. And he's going to just like wear this shirt and walk around and just be a dad and just, you know, do all this different stuff. And so like the idea was to have like this engaged, engage some of these dads into this, you know, uh, young people's lives to Mm -hmm. provide some sorts of sort of sense of like paternal connection but yeah to me because i was i was a smart kid i didn't understand anything but i was a smart kid and so i looked at that and i went (laughs) uh why why like i don't have a dad like i don't have the dad to show off like this upsets me this hurts my feelings i remember i I remember even telling an administrator about that i was like fifth grade and i was like this really hurts my feelings like this is not fair and they didn't care (laughs) they didn't do anything to change it but it was such a hard thing. Like I had to learn how to like get over it and forgive and and move on at a very young age. Where I, you know, I think the traditional uh, idealistic idea of childhood is like, oh, you don't have to deal with important, deep psychological tormenting ideas like this. But yeah. unfortunately, for a lot of us, I feel like we didn't get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. A lot of people out there have gone through so much deep, dark stuff as a as a kid. And for me, my variety of that was like, can you forgive somebody for something that they've done whenever you don't even know who they are? Mm. And uh, it took me a while. It took me a decent amount of therapy as a kid. I mean, I was diagnosed with depression at eight. I was eight years old. And they were like, yeah, you have severe clinical depression. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but yikes. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. So like, I had to learn very quickly to 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 cope with that and it was it was difficult, but I'm very grateful to say that it it it, it came it came past like I, it definitely came true. Mm. Did you was that time when the school was implementing that kind of thing the first time you realized this life that I live is really not normal? I think there like was like kids this age typically have two parents. Yeah, I think it was it was early on. I grew up on a really fun little cul-de-sac, uh, and so like. We had a, one of our next door neighbors, um, like he was kind of a father figure in many different ways. Like, uh, like he had his own family and everything, but like, I remember we had like a, a snake that randomly got into our house and James came in and made it, and made it go away. 
like James came and saved the day. And he so, like, like threw powder on the ground and then there was a puff of smoke <laughs> and it disappeared yeah, and just made out it out go away. And he just played a song <laughs> and, and then, you know, like, you know it's it just, go away. but it was like, it, those were moments where it was like, oh, I don't have that. Well, yeah. like growing up, I was a big sports guy. And so like I played soccer or played baseball and like I'm the only kid, not the only kid, but like one of the only kids that doesn't have the dad and like my dad can't coach and my mom is very challenged when it comes to sports. She doesn't understand it at all. Love her to death. Same. To this day. She'll never get it. And so like there were times that I definitely recognized it. Uh, but I think that was one of the only uh, – looking back, that was the time I truly like look, could look at something and say that's not fair. Like why don't I have this? And there was a lot of resentment for that, a lot of anger. I was a very angry kid. Uh, and it took a lot of work to, to get past that. Yeah. Did you have, did that make it harder to like make friends and stuff too? Did that affect how you related to other kids who did have dads? That was, that was a part of it. I think I more struggled with like, again, I was a smart kid and I was blessed with a lot of natural intelligence, which of course I've done nothing with. I've wasted all that potential by just doing all sorts of stupid ideas. But like, I had a lot of really natural intelligence. But unfortunately, I didn't understand anything when it came to people. Uh, they legitimately thought I was on the autism spectrum for a very long time because like my my mental capacity was so high, but my social capacity was so low that they were like, this kid probably has Asperger's syndrome, which I, I didn't end up having, uh, but they thought that for a very long time. And so like I definitely struggled as a young kid having like a superiority complex I was like, I'm just smarter than everybody else. And nobody understands who I am. And I'm just so smart. And people need to be like me. I'm smart. And of course, I had no friends. Like nobody wanted to hang out with that kid. And it took, um, I mean, it, it definitely part of it was like this, this anger and just general frustration. But I was very emotionally unstable. I didn't, know, I didn't know anything. It's one thing to be a kid and be ignorant of all the bad stuff that's around you. And just not know. And you can just be a kid. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's another thing to know exactly what's wrong around you and not know how to fix it or not understand any of why it's happening. That was tough. And so I was just super angry, super emotional. I had a lot of things that I had to really struggle with for a very long time. Even into like – I think the, the, the first time I can look back at my life and be proud of who I turned into at that time or who I was – it was like it really became whenever I got into theater and that taught me empathy. It taught me how to relate to people and understand people and, and question why people are the way that they are. And that was like game changing because it just changed entirely who I was. So like in many ways, like I mean, theater was the positive thing that brought me out of that darkness. Hmm. It's kind of why I think I decided to go into it to kind of give that back. But uh, And but that yeah, started in tough. high school? Uh, yeah, I was in a... I was in a production of Annie Get Your Gun. It was the first show I was ever in. What is there? I feel like it's an Elton John song or something. Annie Get Your Gun. Something like that. I, 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 I don't, don't know. Yeah. Shout out to Elton John. I'm sure he's out there listening. Yeah, hey Elton. He's yelling into the, the microphone right now. But no, it's... Um, I've heard of Annie Get Your Gun. Yeah. Either as a stage production or something else. There's a movie. and It's based on the, the, the life of Annie Oakley. You know, show show woman extraordinaire okay okay um, but it's music by irving berlin it's a beautiful little show pure golden age schlock but it's so much fun 
pure golden age schlock. Golden age being a gold, like a period of musicals in which it's called the golden age. Like it's when we were truly understanding what musicals could be. And that's when you get like your Oklahoma, your Fiddler on the Roof, your South Pacific, like these true original musicals pretty okay. much pre-1970. Okay. We call them the golden age. And schlock is a show business term. It's like, it's silly. It's stupid. It's, you know, frivolous. Okay. Schlock. Um, golden age schlock. Yeah. Golden age schlock. Wow. That's going to be uh, Learn something the t- new title of the, the podcast uh, coming up. It's like, <laughs> Episode uh, That'd be 15, an awesome podcast Golden Age name. Schlock. Um, but yeah, so it would be like a good whiskey name now that I think about it. Yeah. Can I get a bottle of uh, 1974 Golden Age Schlock? No, no, it's new. It's a new thing. Yeah. So the, the distillery is starting now. And okay. like tw- by 2030, we're starting to release bottles. Somebody, somebody's going to steal this idea. Number one. Can I have a Schlock number one? Can I have a yeah. Schlock? <laughs> Give me a Schlock. What is that? A spit in the eye? What are you talking yeah, about? P- pounds it on the on the bar. It's just a pint glass, filled pint with glass and whiskey. <laughs> That's how we all feel nowadays. In the year twenty thirty, whiskey is like beer. <laughs> we have been damaged beyond repair. Uh, yeah. Huh. To, to summarize that last point up, I mean, it, it was definitely um, it was hard to relate to kids at a young mm. age. And uh, that was definitely part of it was just this general frustration that I had with uh, being a guy being raised by a woman who didn't understand what, you know, the boys are complicated. And Mm -hmm. she, you know, just my sister was very, uh, it's a very different type of challenging. And your sister's younger? She's older. She's She's about four and a half years older. Okay. So like my mom had gotten through her and it was like, okay, what the heck do I do with this? Mm -hmm. Like this is another level of insane. So, yeah, that's me. I'm another level of insane. Well, we all are in our own little way. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. So, what was did, did when did you like start taking ownership of these things and realizing when when did did you realize when you started to get into theater? Oh, this is this is helping me. This is helping me find myself. I think it wasn't until I think it was my junior year of college. My college, yikes, high school. We were doing college auditions. Um, okay. There's this thing called – it was like International Thespian Festival. A thespian is like a person who does theater mm-hmm. based off the idea of Thespis who was the first person in, a, in this legend of this Greek chorus in Greek theater. He okay. stepped out and was the first actor. He wasn't a part of an ensemble. He was one. Oh. So a thespian – The phrase a, thespian makes some – I knew what, yeah. uh, what a thespian was but I didn't know where the phrase came from. I'm here to be – Because yeah, it like sounds a, too a, much like something else. Like a lesbian. Yes. My mom still snickers at the joke. It's been almost 10 years now and she'll still snicker at that joke. She's a, she's a lovely woman. Um, I know you're listening <laughs> out there, mom. Appreciate it. Um, but no, it's uh, – <laughs> So anyway, yeah, um, anyway. I was at this this conference, and it's like people from all over the country in the summer, like high school kids are coming yeah. together, and you watch shows, you take workshops. This is all taking place in Lincoln, Nebraska, but one of the things that oh. they, we did was like this um, – they did like plays, and they had staged readings, which is like basically performing a play, but you still have your script in your hands, and it's very uh-huh. minimal in terms of the staging. Um, but they had these staged readings you can audition for and get cast in. And I auditioned for the show and I got in and it was based off like school shootings. It's a pretty deep show. But it was that moment I realized that like I don't love doing theater because my friends are in it and it's fun and I like the attention. I like doing theater because it's creatively 
invigorating and it makes me feel great and it really opens up my heart. And so that before then it was like um, there were these auditions that you could do for for like college programs there at the high you know at this high school conference and like I was going into it with the idea of like you know maybe I'll just do this do this like it's nothing you know no big deal but like I remember I left that week thinking I remember the I, I during that week I called my mom in tears so I was like I want to do this like this is what I want to do I want to go into I want to go to college for theater and I want to do theater professionally and I want to do, I want this to be my life. And I'm so sorry. I called her. I cried. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry that I'm doing this. Like, I feel like this is where I'm calling. I'm almost so supportive. She's like, it's fine. Like, it's okay. Like, there's no need to cry. Like, I support you. We'll, you know, we'll do, you know, I'll support you no matter what. But, I'm, you know, this is not at all a bad thing. But I think it was after that point, whenever I really dove into it and I was like, I'm going to be serious about this. Like, I'm going to, you know, this is what I'm going to do. That was when it kind of just became, you know, real to look back and be like, oh, my God, like, I have friends now and I can relate to people and I'm not, I don't think I'm better than anybody else anymore because I'm not. I'm so much not better than anybody else. We all have different things we suck at and, you know, we, that, that's, that makes us all special and that makes us all unique and that's totally okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was the moment I looked back and was like, this is transformative. This is helping me. And that was junior year of high school. This is the summer before, in between junior and senior year. Okay. If I gotcha. look back at it correctly. Okay. Wow. I don't, I don't understand that experience of ever coming to a place where I thought, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Cause I didn't, I was homeschooled and I was very lacking motivation or vision up until probably a year ago yeah and so the experience of people kind of discovering through the education system or their social circles what they want to spend their life doing or spend their time doing is totally foreign the kinds of totally foreign concept to me mm-hmm. i don't I, I feel like i've always just been kind of floating out there there's nothing wrong with you know? that no i don't think there's anything wrong with it yeah. i'm I, I i think I I pursue things now, and I'll tell people I know what I want to do right now, but I don't think I can know what I want will want a year from now for sure because I'm a different man now than I was last year. Yeah, and I want different things now than I did. There are some things that are central to my life that I care very much about and continue to grow in caring for those things. So those I don't think will go away. But as far as what I spend my time doing on the day-to-day, what I make money doing, I'm sure that will evolve and there will be changes. But it's it's really interesting for me to hear other people talk about coming to a place where they knew what they wanted, especially at a young age, especially as a teenager. Yeah. And it, and it was tough. I mean, you always hear people say like, I went to college and I changed my major 18 times and I did like all this different stuff. It took me 18 years. I don't know why 18 is the number of the day, but it's the number of the day. It took me all these years to do this. And I'm like, I've been, I've, I've been blessed with kind of a clear direction. And like, that's not to say it was easy. I remember my junior year of college, I went, I had a, I was very blessed with a really good scholarship. And part of my scholarship was, Okay, you get fifteen hundred dollars worth of money to do like an educational experience, so that could be all sorts of different stuff. But like, I took a trip, 
I went to New York City by myself for a week, a little bit less than a week for spring break, my my junior year of college, and I was like, I gotta find myself. Like that there's nothing quite like that junior year panic, that second semester junior year panic where you're like, Oh, I'm about to be in it like a real this is about to be real and I'm so unprepared. And like in a in a theater or even in any sort of artistic sense, it's like I'm not talented. Like I'm I, I can be good at the school in this small pond, but like whenever I go into the ocean, like I'm gonna drown. Like I'm not good enough. And so you had to navigate that. I feel like almost everybody who is in any sort of artistic field has that moment where they're just like, "Why am I wasting my time? I'm never gonna mm-hmm. be good as any of these other people." And so I had to go to New York and watch shows and just be inspired by that. I took a workshop, uh, just like a just a regular little theater workshop where you just like performed and gave notes and everybody was like a small thing i i jumped in for a week ended up seeing somebody there who was taking the same class as i was who i watched perform at a show like a couple years before and they were incredible and there they are in the same you know in this massive city it's this person i i've seen perform before absolutely love their performance and they're the exact same class as i am doing the exact same work i'm doing end up becoming friends with her after that because we just told the story, but it was like, that's what I need. Like we're all always growing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have everything figured out at 21, 22 years old. Like I got a lot of shit still to figure out. Yeah. Maybe 25, you know, 25 <laughs> is like, that's kind of when life starts to make sense and you've got, you've got it covered. I feel like yeah. I'm, my life's never going to yeah. make sense at this point. That was sarcasm. Yeah. For anyone wondering. Don't, <laughs> you don't actually think that. Yeah. Don't, don't, Write those words down. I'm going to quote you on that. It's going to go into your it's uh, going to go into electoral the, slander the, uh, campaign. What was it, is it, is you, could you still call it blackmail if it's all audible stuff? I think or is it blackmail specifically a certain type of I, medium? I think, I think blackmail can be anything. Just anything? Okay. The blackmail vault. You know, I could. Dude, that, that that's could, a great Quentin Tarantino movie waiting, to, waiting to happen. This could be the whole purpose of this podcast, though. Honestly, I'm blackmailing all of you. That's like, what this is. <laughs> I'm just getting all your dirt. And sorry, there, there was a noise that sounded like a cat vomiting. I hope and, it was. And I was kind I of shocked. Broken into kind of shocked and like slightly frightened and i have an over overactive imagination so now i'm imagining like walking out my door my roommate's dead on the floor there's a baby with like a knife why a baby because that's what happened in a horror movie right? <laughs> i thought it was a cat vomit the baby was producing cat well vomit. there's also a cat vomiting okay that's just yeah that's just, that's just completely incidental. actually unrelated completely yeah to that's the like a reality <laughs> that's what my brain does when i like walk up the stairs to the apartment at night when it's dark your exp- your experience like, immediately all these mind. wild awful fantasies go yeah you're just preparing your mind because you i feel like in many ways it's like i want to be right like i don't want to be right but like i want to be prepared just in case like i get up there and it's like oh no oh no i get up there I and i turn it. around and something actually was chasing me yeah i knew it you at least bask in the uh, the feeling of knowing that you were completely right, at least for that small amount of time before you were killed. It's by such a horrible feeling. The baby with the knife and the cat vomit. Yeah. No, I know what the sound was now. The reality is setting in. I realize it's my roommate playing video games. Also known as cat vomit. <laughs> yeah. NBA two K nine. How do you feel pure... about how do you feel about cats, Scotty? 
I like cats. I feel like cats get a really bad rap. Like, if you, I listen to a because people inevitably compare them to dogs. Sure, but like I listened to a comedian and he made a joke, like about how he. uh, It's a very dark comedian, but he made a joke involving cat murder, and like everybody laughs in the recording, and I was like, ha 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 ha, and then I think, wait a second, there was a joke about dog murder. Significantly less people laugh. Like he legitimately earlier in the earlier in the in the special made a made like a a joke, kind of a joke. It was kind of more of a commentary on the idea of like how dogs came to be is because we just bred them to be like you know domestic, and so there was like he's like a lot of puppies have died in the process of making dogs. We we kill a lot of puppies. That's like one of the things we do best as humans is we kill puppies really well, and nobody laughs. Like literally, like he literally makes a joke. He's like. Well, this this part of the show never goes well. Like this, nobody ever laughs here, and I'm like, but they laugh so much at the cat murder thing. Because like, I just don't. I think they get a bad mm. rap. I don't know why cat murder is hilarious, but dog murder is so against the rules. So you think they get a bad rap? Yeah. So what, cats are what fine. do you think of cats? They're fine. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, like, I I think some cats are better than others, but some people are better than others. It's true. Like I've had many a cat. A couple of friends who have a cat who they just recently kind of adopted because he just—I think he more or less adopted them. It's a whole thing, but it's the nicest cat in the world. Like I have never seen this cat, and then by the end of the night, like I'm sitting on the chair and he's cuddled up on my lap, like purring up a storm, just enjoying the attention. And I'm like, "This is great. I love this." Mm-hmm. Like there are some great cats out there. Yeah, and there are you know equally the same amount of cats who just don't want to ever see you. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Personality types. Yeah. No, and I, I mean, cats are, cats are fine. Yeah. You can kind of say the same thing about dogs, too. Yeah. You could, you could make the argument that dogs are generally more amiable toward humans than cats. But there's. But cats still... are more amiable towards humans than, like, rats. It's true. Why do we compare cats to rats? I, I don't know. Everybody's saying cats and dogs, cats and dogs. I want to compare cats to, like, what? fish. You can't cuddle up with a fish. No, you can't. Well, you could. Don't There's a cuddlefish, isn't there? I think there is a cuddlefish, or is it a cuddlefish? I, if I've played Animal Crossing one too many times, I think there might be a cuddlefish out there that you can catch. <laughs> Sell it for fifteen thousand bells. Bells. But 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 cats, I think when when you can get them cuddling like that, they're great. They're fantastic. I I, I love I just love furry animals in general. Anything furry, so long as it is amiable. Yeah. And it's not going to, like, bite me. And the the thing that still makes me a little bit nervous with cats is that even when they're having a great time with you, sometimes they're just like, and they scratch Randomly. you or, yeah, like, you bite you or something. Like, what? You were just having, you were just so, like, cuddly and peaceful. And then all of a sudden, you're biting my thumb. It's a metaphor for humanity. Yeah. Sometimes you're doing great. You have a great relationship with a person. And all, all of a sudden, sudden, they just bite you and... Spit at you and run away. Wow, are you, are you speaking of a specific event? I'm triggered. Daddy? I'm like I'm haunted by the memory of so many relationships <laughs> that have involved with me getting bit and run away. Really? No, no. This is all sarcastic. Okay, okay. Metaphorically, because... maybe bit and run away. Okay, but definitely, thankfully, very few instances in my life I've ever been bit and then had felt the need to run away. Okay, that's good. It's a non-zero chance that may have happened, but very few. <laughs> Well, that's a perfect segue into college <laughs> life. Perfect segue. <laughs> yeah, because every anything can happen in college. 
I've been told. Too many things have happened in college. What was your college experience like? I like getting this from people because, like, again, I, I don't I don't know what school's like. Sure. Well, I went to what a small like? Baptist university. It's mm-hmm. Washington Baptist University. Uh, I'm sure. Do they do have I, a sports team that we can, like, woo? Uh, yeah. Go, you know, the Washington Baptist Tigers. Go the football Tigers. team is surprisingly great. It's Division Two. We're actually really good, huh. and nobody cares. Like not see, and nobody could care any less about our Division Two football team that like went undefeated twice whenever I was in college. I would. I the reason I asked is because my assumption was that Washita Baptist didn't have any sports teams. No, they got they got a great football team, a basketball team that's pretty average to bad. Um, yeah, pretty much we're a football team sport. The baseball team is okay. They're okay. Yeah, go Tigers. Okay, go Tigers. So uh, I went, and I went more or less because I had a full ride to anywhere in the state. Very blessed. I could go anywhere in the state for free, and they were the one school that had a musical theater program that was worth going to. Mm. No disrespect to the Southern Arkansas University Mule Riders, but OBU is the only respectable musical theater department in the state. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to get a lot of hate from, the, from SAU alums. Uh but I went and yeah, I, I don't consider myself an overtly religious person. Uh, religion is something that's always been very touchy for me. So going to a Baptist school was an interesting experiment into how much I could handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was surprisingly not as bad as I thought it would be. Like you just had to go to chapel every week and, you know, you just had like a general Christian environment, but it wasn't like unbearable. It wasn't like you have to be in bed by 10, at 10 PM and, women can't wear pants and like all this like horror stories that you could imagine at like you know, a really strict conservative Christian school. It wasn't like that, but you know, the, the department was great. The musical theater department, like both the music, the vocal side was great. The theater department did a lot of really good work and I was very blessed to meet a lot of great people there. Like I didn't love the politics of the school and I didn't love what it especially had to do with like theater, for example, is a very progressive art. I think theater in and of itself is, has to always evolve and always has to kind of say something about what the modern world is around it, or else it just doesn't feel genuine. So when you have a progressive art at a conservative environment, it can always clash. Hmm. And there were several instances of that whenever I was there that kind of really broke my heart and it was a struggle trying to produce work in a produce progressive work in a, in a conservative environment. But I enjoyed it. I look back at my time, my four years, and I go, it was great. You know, I made a lot of good friends, made a lot of memories, made a lot of bad memories, but that's college for you. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say if a genie came to me and was like, yo, I'm a genie, weird, but I'm a genie. Uh, I, would, I, would. I will only grant you one wish and that wish is like, you can say yes or no. You can go back in time to whenever you were 18 and go to a different college and live your entire life over again. Would you do it? No, absolutely not. Number one, that sounds like a pain in the butt. But number two, it's like... Yeah, who who wants to go back <laughs> who, who to wants, 18? Yeah, who wants to go do all the... Yeah, whatever whatever life was like that. There's something to be said about going back to 18, w- retaining everything you know now, and like being able to avoid a lot of the stupid pitfalls that you would make at that age. I uh, still wouldn't do it. No. The, the friends, the relationships, the opportunities, and just everything that I've experienced at this point are very valuable to me, mm-hmm. good and bad, because it's ultimately impactful and that's the main thing yeah so I, I'll, I'll happily take that any day of the week uh-huh. it's interesting that you phrased it with all the genie talk to you not just if i could go back to 18 and do it over 
I wouldn't. No, you have to. No, yeah, there has, very there has to be a, a reason why you can go back in time. Yeah. Yeah. That's just part of the telling a good story. You have to yeah. give it some intrigue. So you mentioned that religion has been touchy. Sure. Touchy subject for you? Very much so. Al- always was? Or just at the time when you were entering into college? More or less. Uh, I grew up in a Christian environment and um, grew up. I went to a Baptist church, a big Baptist church. Actually, First Baptist in Fayetteville. Okay. It's a, right there off of Dixon. It's a massive church. Mm-hmm. Then my mom then left and went to Central Methodist, which is literally right across the street. Um and then I did that, and then got my, the glares from the the people walking in. Oh yeah, like they, the we, next we, day, they're dead to us. Yeah, um, Methodists, <laughs> they drink. Uh, no, so then my grandparents. <laughs> that was a joke. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, please uh, forgive me. <laughs> Gods of Washita, leave me alone. Um, then my grandparents they went to a Presbyterian church, so that's pretty pretty primarily what I grew up in was. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Presbyterian church in Russellville. And um, I liked it. You know, it's it was very liturgical, very, like, I grew up on hymns, and I love hymns. Like, I still to this day have an interesting clash with a lot of my, my Christian friends because it's like they love true contemporary Christian music that to me sounds so formulaic and repetitive. And to them, it's, like, really meaningful. Meanwhile, I'll, like, I'll bob to come thou font of every blessing. Like, that's my jam. And they're like, well, that's the same thing four times in a row. We sing four verses and then we're done. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> that poetry, those words, meaningful. But, yeah, so, like, whenever I was growing up, like I said, like, I wasn't a very successful socialite. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely had my struggles relating to people. But, like, most people in middle school, I was a victim of bullying. And, I don't know, my voice trembled there. It's like, there was, some, there was some darkness when I said that, bullying. Um. I was a victim of bullying and the people, surprisingly enough, who were the worst to me were the people who were the most vocal on Sundays. Mm. Like the people who went to the, the coolest church, who had like the the band and the lights, like and who had all of this like outward Christian mentality were the people who were the absolute worst to me and made my life a living hell. And it's like this deep seated frustration with like hypocritical Christianity that like never has left. You know, it's is this sad little misunderstood 11 year old kid who's getting made fun of for a multitude of reasons by the people who are supposed to be the most loving and most caring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never understood that. And that was always something that I just carried with me and was ever, not to this day, it's like hypocritical Christianity sends me up a wall because I just, I don't understand how like we can all read the same stuff and we can all look at the same book as our source of authority and be like, oh, that's what we're supposed to believe. And like, how can we get so drastically different outcomes? Like, I get it. I get like, you know, uh, interpretation is so subjective. But I don't know how you can look at that and see hate. You know, how can you look at Christian values and see things that can put other people down? Whether it be um, in a micro scale, like just treating somebody poorly. Or a macro scale, like... You know, love thy neighbor, but not if they're a different color or a different gender or a different, you know, sexual preference. Like, you know, how can we have that? How can we believe in the same God? Mm. So that's always been my frustration. And I'm very hypersensitive to it now. I've told you, like, one of the stories you shared on your very first episode with Colby where you went to uh, Hillsong. 
and like had like this really interesting frustration moment where it's like I could I could disprove everything you're saying right now, but it was the realization that the people were still people and they were still so kind and like that's what we should focus on. I've thought about that almost every single week since I listened to that episode. Mm. It just hit me because I was like that's so, I, that's something I need to work on. And so right now it's like I'm a part of a new church. Um, I'm like actively it's like a, it's a it's a very young church plant but it, its mission is to speak to people like me like how many of you are people who have fallen out because of people who have wronged you and it's like god can be for everybody like you know everybody's welcome especially you and that's so impact, impactful and powerful to me and it's just you know having to slowly acclimate myself into becoming comfortable with that like mm-hmm. I don't think I'm at the point where I can own a physical Bible right now. That just seems like a step I'm not ready to take yet. I'll happily have it on my phone. I'll happily read it. I'm in a Bible study and that's great. But for some reason in my head, like owning a physical Bible seems like a step that, or like a, like a identifying trait that I'm not, not ready to be a part of yet. I'm not ready if I can, like I'm an active member of a church and I'm a part of like multiple Bible studies, but it's like, am I ready to be a Christian right now? I don't think I am. I, I believe I believe in God. I believe in Jesus as a Messiah, but am I a Christian? I don't want to. I don't want to say yes yet. Don't want to be associated with that group necessarily. Yeah, yeah, it's, I get that. It's tough. It's so sad that it's such a common um, thought. That yeah, Jesus. For everything I know about Jesus, he's great. I, I believe in a higher power. All this, but man, those Christians. I don't think I want to be. Uh, lumped in with them yeah it's it sucks because i identify as a christian um and i recognize the hurt that a lot of people experience from this this thing that we call christianity um because we we've done a really bad job yeah of being like christ i think there's a it could be just the internet, or he could have actually said it. But <laughs> Gandhi is credited as saying, "I like your Christ, but not your Christians." Sure. Um. Yeah, because man, your experience is just so common. Yeah. Like, why do we need churches to be like we're here to help all you people who the church has hurt? Why are there so many of these people? Yeah. Why is it? Why are so many people being burned? And it's even more like in a far more uh, cynical way. To me, it's like there's just a lack for me of a, a complete lack of understanding of certain thought processes that are like literally shared by people of faith, people who are great people. Um, but to me, it's like, but why? But why do you do that? Uh, I took this world religions course in college because I really liked the professor. And so it's me as a musical theater major, I was a senior, and a bunch of junior level Christian studies majors who thought completely different than I did. And it was fascinating to see the difference in thought because it's like, um, here are these people who like devoting everything to God in the study of religion. And like we're learning about like, I don't know, like any sort of religion. Buddhism is one. Eastern religions are very different. And there were a couple of people in the class who would just like make fun of these other religions and like, oh, that's stupid. Or doesn't like, doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, we believe in a religion that like 
this three people is one person, but that one person is two people, but his the son of the person who is also him, in which we also are a part of a monthly ceremony in which we all gather around and eat bread that's and, and drink wine or grape juice that is the literal interpretation of blood and you know flesh, and we eat the blood and we we eat the flesh and we drink the blood to truly become one with our savior. Like you don't think that's strange? You don't think that's weird? And it's like, it's like one of those frustrations. Like, I wish I could have clear faith. I wish I could like look at that and be like, that makes sense. It's totally normal. Because my mind is like, well, that's insane. Why, why do we do this? And like, I get it. I read the, you know, I can read the scriptures and say like, that's why. Because we're instructed to do it. But there are so many people who can just look at that without any question and be like, yes. I think because we're, it's way easier to just be told this is what you do and you're good and just do it. Yeah. And we systematize everything. And I I want to say that a lot of it is just Western religion and how we approach the subject. I, I've never lived in an Eastern country or been a part of a practicing Eastern community. So I, I can't say that I'm actually the right person to speak on this. Yeah. But Christianity at its root is an Eastern religion. And as much as a lot of Christians really don't want to think about it or actually admit it, it shares so much in common with most other Eastern religions in a lot of ways, mm. ways that people don't want to acknowledge, like the fact that most of the Quran is just a retelling of the Old Testament or that Buddhist practice is really in line with a lot of meditative practices that the Jews did and and so and, much of like new Christianity, especially like this new wave of very spiritual, very personal relationship based Christianity is so heavily influenced by Eastern religion, mm -hmm. like the, you know, uh, Hinduism, especially like, uh, new age Christianity is just like, is just Christianity with some Hindu influences and like feeling and emotion and, and pure spirit, like. It's maybe because maybe because the the Western version of this religion that many of us have been taught did not scratch the itch. There was something about it just it wasn't good enough. Yeah. Because in one way one way or another, I think a lot of people have even when they've been super invested in Christianity and the Christian church and have found it super compelling and they believed it and they're in it and they experience God the system that they were part of has felt hollow and like a, a big list um, that they're just checking checking boxes off on. And a lot of the time it is. Even if that box is, love your neighbor, read your Bible, mm -hmm. pray for this many minutes every morning. Take your vitamins. Yeah, like that, that's what it becomes. It's trying to impose some kind of structure onto the relationship with this God. And like and create create that structure it, it, that wasn't necessarily there mm -hmm. i i love going back to abraham and people from his time and before thinking about these people what bibles were they reading what like what was their experience of god like because they weren't reading a bible that was a joke what bible were they reading abraham didn't have a bible yeah Jesus was the Bible. Jesus probably didn't have in the, the access to any scripture 
outside of the synagogue. That's where most people would read the scriptures, mm-hmm. which, by the way, was the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, the mm-hmm. Hebrew scriptures. Every time you see Paul or Timothy or Luke or Mark or anybody talking about the scriptures, they're talking about the Old Testament. So, yeah. by the way, if you're a Christian and you think you can just study the New Testament and build like your theology covenant. on it, yeah. it's like covenant, everything the in the New story. Testament is just building on things that they that were a part of their history for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So, there's that. Um, yeah, I, li- I like to go back to that, though. I have to go back to that. I have to go back to, in the beginning, what was true. In the beginning, there was God, and he made people. However, he did that. I know there's like... I, Old world, new world. Yeah, I, I don't get into that discussion unless people like want to talk about it. I don't stuff. think we've, we've talked about it directly on the podcast. If you want to, I'm more than happy. I wish to. I knew more about it than I did. Um, I definitely have seen many a seminar about that exact uh, fight. Do you want to talk about it? I don't know enough about it to feel like a, a source of authority. Like, I feel like I just yeah, don't I mean, neither of us is a sort of source of authority. Sure, sure. I, I mean, sure, let's go. You you seem interested. Let's go. Okay. Well, like I was saying, I like to go back, though. But, yeah, I like to go back to the beginning and think, okay, in the beginning there was God, and God made people, and he said, you're good. And people said, well, we don't want to live by what you say. We're going to do our own thing, and we go off on our own. And... For whatever reason, we feel the need to complicate that story. It's, it's a very complex story, but we feel the need to complicate what it means to be a human connected to God. Mm. Um, but man, old old Earth, new Earth thing. I'm telling That's... you. So I went. Um, one of the last things I did. <laughs> I'm going to make so many. I'm going to make so many people mad. <laughs> one of the last things I did before I went to, uh, whenever like pandemic became serious. Like that, that really uncanny time. I don't think I'll ever be able to replicate it in my life when you're sitting in a room full of people and you're looking around and you're like, okay, this is a little weird. Like we shouldn't be doing this. Like we don't know enough about any of this and this is really risky and like we haven't stopped yet, but this is feeling, this feels weird. But it was a, it was a a seminar that this uh, professor from the U, U of A was teaching at New Heights and it was the, about the exact thing. Like it was a scientific look at like the historicity of the beginning of the old testament and the genesis story and the creation story and specifically like how would we break down these different theories of creationism and i really liked the the woman i can't remember her name but the woman who taught it she legitimately like multiple times said like i'm not get like there are many different ways and i'm not going to ever at any point say that any way is better than another one i'm not even going to tell you what i personally believe in I'm just going to present the facts. I'm going to present exactly what each and every argument is. And I thought that was a great way to handle that. Went through all the different arguments. And I feel like I wish I could remember a lot more about each and every one. But I'm curious to see where, as we get into this very deep, controversial topic, which didn't seem controversial before. Like, this is something that I feel like is a very new talking point in Christianity. It's specifically the the harsh division of if you don't believe in old you know old world old world like the world's actually only two thousand years old you're a piece of crap kind of theology. Um, I don't. I'm curious to see where you land on this. I think maybe a lot of people are because I don't. 
I don't like get into it specifically unless we're like on the conversation and people I actually want to talk about it, which is kind of why I do want to talk about it because this subject and the things surrounding it was really, really uncomfortable for me as a Christian. Mm. And it caused a lot of hurt. And a lot of Christians, I think, just don't even approach it because we don't know what to do and we're afraid. It's, it's icky. And, and we're taught, even subconsciously or unconsciously, that there are certain beliefs that are incompatible. And it's like you're told, if you don't believe what we tell you, your salvation is in jeopardy. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's kind of scary. I guess I'll just go along with oh, it. I you hope know? and pray that I believe in this. Yeah. Yeah. So, salvation's on the line. So I, I like to talk with people about it. Um, I'll, I'm not going to make this like a lecture because I don't know who's listening and I don't know where they are with it. Cause again, I like people that, you know, approach this in confidence with people. And if you want to talk about it, approach somebody who you trust and do, because I recognize it can cause uh, internal anguish because it did for mm-hmm. me extreme in the extreme. Um, I was kind of introduced to Christianity and evolution in a, in, in a sense that they could actually live together incidentally. Uh, I was not being taught like this is what you should believe or this is why they're compatible. I was just exposed to different sources of information that weren't trying to fight one point or another. They were just presenting themselves as what they were. Um, I was raised in a tradition and a household specifically that essentially said, you can't believe in evolution and be a Christian. That those are completely different things. Um, and here's why we're going to read Genesis one in English, by the way, um, (laughs) in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth Mm. and the earth was without form. You know, and we go through that and, and it's like, Oh, it's obvious. And I, I made those arguments as a teenager. I made those arguments of like, well, this is what it says and why blah, 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 blah. And one of the things that began opening my mind to, to this subject was just realizing what it says in English is going to be different necessarily than what it said in ancient Hebrew to ancient Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Right off the bat, like, if you're studying any kind of literature, specifically that's very, very old, you have to recognize that it wasn't written to you. It was written to contemporary minds. Ancient Hebrews lived in an ancient world. Most people at the time thought of the world as a flat thing. They did not understand the stars or, like, that we were on a globe suspended in a gravity field in outer space mm-hmm. and th- that wasn't a concept we we when you hear the word earth you picture a globe in your mind because we have pictures of it and we now know yeah we know like we can actually see 
video and pictures unless of unless you believe in the flat earth theory which like we're not we're not going to have that conversation <laughs> but yeah like the, the the ancients didn't have that they had no concept for it and they had no reason to and so when when you read something when you read the bible you have to read it firstly on its terms who was writing this and who were they writing it to their goal was not to dialogue with physicists in 2020 because that wasn't that didn't exist their concepts of reality were very different even though, i mean the subject of what does existence mean what does it mean to exist mm-hmm. is a, a a very very old question and cultures have had different ways of answering it different philosophical ways of discussing this subject and nobody has a clear answer even today but what is clear if you actually look into it is that our concept is different from theirs so when we read genesis and we see god created god said let there be light and there was light immediately i'm saying i'm thinking in my head as a moderator well that must mean god's generating photons right yeah there was no such they didn't know about photons for one thing that's an english word (laughs) for another you you don't look around as a human being with your eyeballs and see photons you just there's just light yeah the the story isn't trying to get at that and now immediately you get a a weight gets lifted off your shoulders like oh i don't have to be concerned about what the Bible is talking about physics because maybe it's not concerned with that because they didn't have a concept for it. Get the weight lifted off your shoulders and you're like, okay, I can simplify this. Yeah. What, what, okay. So what is it trying to say? The whole, I mean, you can do this with every word because these words, I love this. What a teacher I really enjoy said, he said, words don't just mean what they mean. They mean a whole story that's behind words. It's like a really simple example is like cultural idioms. If if you say, beam me up, Scotty, which is Scotty. I feel personally attacked, but yeah, continue. Yeah. If you say that to somebody in America, they know what it means because it's a cultural reference. Star Trek people, if you don't know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Look at the rings. Yeah. But if you go to, if you were to say that to Shakespeare, it's still the English but the, the history around the phrase, the words together, wouldn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right? I, I would like to think he would for some reason. He's just, Shakespeare's he's like, just like, yeah, yes, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. He was a genius. You know? <laughs> but he, he, had, he was very forward thinking. Yeah. So I, I took this class on um, biblical cosmology. And, and they, there was one of the guys in the class said that, in introducing students or, or just congregation members to the subject, he says, okay, we're going to read Genesis 1 now. And then he starts reading it in Hebrew. And they're like, what do you do? Yeah. So this is fun. I don't get to do this much. But I'm going to, the, the, first, the first seven words, so in, in English, it's in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yep. In Hebrew, that sentence is seven words. It's, bara 
Elohim et Hashemayim ve'et Haaretz. The first seven words. That's that's impressive pronunciation. My 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 dialect or my my accent's probably way off. But those. Are I the... was in Fiddler on the Roof in college, and I was very impressed with that. Okay, cool. So I'm I'm very much <laughs> understand what you're saying. Okay. Well, those are the first seven words in the Bible. Originally, those are the first seven words. And already you lose, you lose some of the significance because those are intentionally seven words. Mm-hmm. In English, that's not seven words anymore. Automatically, there's something that the author did intentionally that is thrown out the window it just in, as a matter of just translation necessity. And not even saying – like that's not even to say like what's the difference between NIV, ESV, KJV. Yeah. And, and just now – so I didn't even – Normally, I don't even think about that, but even right away, you're changing specifically seven words that are meant to be seven words into more, and now you're distorting what the author is trying to get at. And then you can dissect each individual word. Brishit, in the beginning, is not this necessarily the standard word in Hebrew for at the start of something. There's other words for that. Mm-hmm. It's more vague and off. It, there's, there's all sorts of arguments around what it should mean because people want to know, like, what is Genesis 1 saying? But... It's it's more akin, I think, in my very limited scholarly mind to um, way back when, at the beginning of what we're about to relate to you. Yeah. Um, because we're not trying to get into the conversation of, well, what is time scientifically and how did it have a beginning? Mm-hmm. That's not what's happening. Because there there wasn't like... Einstein hadn't come along and started doing all these things, talking about time and space. Yeah. It's a different thing. So, in the beginning means something else. God. Bereshit bara. Wait, that's bara's make or create. So, let's say take bara. Yeah. Um, to create something. Like I mentioned, photons. To, we think that in terms of there's nothing... And then there's something, which scientifically is supposedly impossible, right? Matter, which makes up everything. Matter and energy can't be created or destroyed. So right away, you're you're talking about a concept that supposedly, scientifically, is impossible. Mm -hmm. So maybe that should clear you in right away. Uh, Maybe I should back up. Maybe it's talking about (laughs) something else. Um, In in all of the contemporary cultures of the ancient Hebrews, creation— meant something else creation primarily and i should preface all this by saying like i'm not a professor this is like me learning from professors me learning from other really smart people and paraphrasing but creation in an ancient context usually meant something like taking something that didn't have purpose or name and separating it from the nothingness which is just chaos and meaninglessness and giving a purpose giving a name that's creation creation is making taking something that is essentially nothing and making it into something and most of the ancient creation stories start with something anyway there's something which is usually some form of water Mm. um so creation is different we're not talking about matter coming into being the ancient Hebrews didn't know what matter was. There was dirt and there was, there was trees and there were all these things that you experienced. There wasn't a molecular level of understanding things. 
um, God, right? God created. God. Jesus. The Holy <laughs> Spirit. The Trinity. Yeah, God. The word is Elohim. Mm. And it's not a name ever. It's a category. It's like human. It, it, it means basically a spiritual being, a being that exists on a different kind of plane than humans. Lots of different things are called Elohim in the Bible. It's not a name. If all you had was Genesis 1, you would not know who this God was. Yeah. You would have a name. He gives a name later. So in your Bibles, for if all those following along in their Bibles, if you're looking at it, if you turn to Genesis 2, it's the first place you'll see Lord God, and Lord is going to be in all caps. Lord is going to be all uppercase in your Bible. That is us translating the divine name Yahweh. Mm. A lot of times, like I read a the Bible I have, my study Bible is a Jewish study Bible, and they translate it always as Adonai which yeah. is what the Jews typically will say. They don't call him by Yahweh or, or Jehovah. They don't say that typically because it's like irreverent kind of basically as sure. far as my understanding goes. Um, but that word is not unique. It's not talking about a unique being. It, the story is if you go on and you keep reading the story, but if you're just starting out and you're reading from the start and you haven't been told by a billion other people what it means – you see, in the, in, at the start of this story, a spiritual being. Oh, yeah, there's lots of those. A spiritual being, okay, made everything. Oh, okay, who's this? You don't know who it is. Hmm. Um, the heavens. What are the heavens, right? <laughs> um, well, there's the outer atmosphere, and then you get beyond our gravitational field around the Earth, and you get into outer space, and and there's, you know, heavens really is that's that's where god is and it's it's a different world it's you know like narnia mm. it's a different world it's not well heavens <laughs> in an ancient world where everybody assumed that the world was basically like held together by the sky is is a thing it's like a physical thing and if this if the sky falls that's a problem so when the flood comes and the, the windows of the heavens are open, that's a problem because there's a big layer of water over there because God separated the water from the water. The heavens are just what's up there, what's above. Mm. It's not outer space because they didn't know what outer space was. Yeah. How could they be talking about something that they had no concept of? Uh, and the earth, again, the globe thing. They didn't know what a globe was. They didn't, the earth was a flat thing that you walked on. Um, earth is like ground yeah. it's just it's where you walk it's the solid thing um, and that's those are just like a few words at the beginning of the story yeah, that are, each approximately that, seven words in yeah that story. each if you get into each of them means something different than you thought they did in English and I'm not interested in telling people like everything you thought was true is completely wrong because yeah. you don't read the Bible in ancient Hebrew. Like that's not the point. It's just when you base your life around this book, you need to understand that it was something to some people before it was yours. 
I think to be a respectful reader of Scripture, you need to understand where it's coming from first. Understand mm. it on its terms first. And too often we build all this theology on what we think the Bible's saying to us now and completely disregard the question of, well, what, did it, what was it saying to its original audience? Yeah. Which, by the way, was not reading it. They were hearing it told. They were, they were sharing these stories verbally with each other and passing them down. Mm-hmm. Written scripture was not a thing for probably like hundreds of years. There was nothing. And this is not like, I haven't said the word evolution hardly. Like, and all that explanation, I didn't say, and this is how many billion years old the world is. No, because the story I don't think is interested in telling you how old the world is. That's not the point. No. For one thing, also, if you want like a really simple introduction to this that can still rock your world, read Genesis 1. And then read Genesis 2 and realize that they explain the order of creation in a different order. Okay, light bulb moment. Like, realize (laughs) there's something intentional going on here about how this story is designed. But we don't don't want to think of it that way because that's not neat. It's messy. It's not this thing we wrap a bow around and we say, I understand this now. Great. Here you go. Pass it along. Tell tell everybody what it means. It's so much more complex than that. And it's concerned with much more vital questions like, why do you exist? Not interested in, at this time, certainly, when I'm telling, when I'm writing the story out, I'm not interested in how all the atoms in your body are made up because I don't really know what that is. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm more concerned with your body as a whole and the spirit that it houses. Why are you here? Who put you here? What do they want from you? That's a story that is that starts right at the beginning of this book and starts being told. And 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 I I think you have to you have to back up and start there. You have to become comfortable with realizing it's not primarily interested with dialoguing with all of your modern sensibilities. The story of the Bible is not trying first and foremost to meet you where you are. I think God is. But this book is a tool that has come about through human and divine means Mm -hmm. as a product of history. You need to understand history. Joy and I talked about that because she is passionate about church history. Very much I think so. I think it's so important to understand these things, to understand just kind of where to begin, what are what are where our roots come from. For one thing, they come from the East, so Eastern religion is is hugely important, and in, in understanding how the Eastern mind views these things and asks these questions is really important. Um. And it, it was really eye-opening to me when I started hearing these things and then, and then got to process with other people and, and just ask questions with people who were safe for me. Because even though I look at this now and I think, wow, this is so simple, why didn't I kind of recognize some of these things before? 
the process that I went through to become comfortable with this conversation was really, really painful because my life, my whole world was built around my conception of truth. And my conception of truth was built on this book. So if you start to pull apart this book or pull apart my interpretation or like a really popular interpretation of this book, Mm. you're not just dissecting a book. You're pulling at the strings of my reality. And that's what it felt like. I felt like I was becoming unhinged. It was... It was. I remember waking up and feeling physically sick one day because I had just heard somebody else's story who seemed like they came from a really similar place as me and had processed and asked questions that I liked to ask or wanted to ask. And it was so hard for me to hear because I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't get away from the conclusions this guy was coming to. Mm-hmm. I didn't have an argument for him. So like this sandcastle that I thought was so solid just started crumbling. Mm-hmm. The waves started coming up. And- yeah. And, and the reason I want to talk about this with people is because I think so many of us are right on that edge. So many of us are ready to just fall to pieces given the right thing, given the right scenario that just makes our foundation crumble because it's really it's built on it's built on certain narrow perspectives or modern understandings or cultural um, understandings it's it's built on what we think is a really um all-encompassing perspective but it's actually a, a much more narrow perspective yeah um because if if you grew up like me, you grew up thinking, well, there's all these different churches and all these different religions, and then there's the one true religion. But then even within that religion, there's the one like true church, and like yeah. the Catholic Church is wrong, and the Mormons are wrong, and these people are wrong, and then you have the Protestants, and the Protestants get it all right. Only certain Protestants get it all right, though. Yes, right. There's some Protestants that they get it wrong. Yeah. And then the other Protestants are saying the same thing. Nobody wants – I say that a lot. Nobody is really a generalization. It's really uncomfortable for a lot of people to look at all these different denominations of Christianity, of this faith, and be comfortable with it because you're like, well, they can't all be right. Of course they can't. That's comforting to me because I get, I'm at a place now where I can look at all these and be like, wow, we are trying to – get in touch with an eternal multi-dimensional being of course we don't look at it right like of course we're all going to have different interpretations of things but we all get something right so i want to be able to step back and look at these different perspectives and weigh them in my heart and my mind and think critically and talk to this god and ask him honest questions and if I was so invested in a particular theological bent, I wouldn't do that. And then when something else came along that put holes in that theological bent of mine, then I've got a problem because the thing I was standing on 
is now falling to pieces. And I can't go stand on those other rafts out there because they were wrong. It, it, it's it's such a trap, man. Mm-hmm. We get trapped in this. And like I said, like I try. And I don't know if this is considered like a, a brief explanation of this subject. I feel like I'm kind of dipping the toe in it. But I, I think I want people to know this is something they can talk about. I think I think a lot of us want to talk about it, even we don't realize it. And don't really know who. Even, I mean, the subject. As soon as I say I'm a Christian and I believe in evolution, I'm in the weirdo camp. Sure. Right away, I'm already a minority, a huge minority. And it, it's really, people have a tendency, I think, to look at someone like me and they say, well, he's just throwing the Bible out. And he thinks he can just pick and choose and believe whatever he wants. No, I, I just think that I don't understand all the Bible. Everybody picks and chooses. Because you read... You know, First Corinthians 13, and you're like, oh, this the love chapter. It's so beautiful. It feels good. This is so important. But you back up like three chapters, and Paul's saying that women can't preach and men are shameful if they have long hair. Like, you're picking and choosing what's theology and what's solid and what's interpretive or subjective. Yeah. Everybody does it. Please realize, whoever you are and whatever perspective you take on the bible you pick and choose what things you think are um absolute right i personally this is a dangerous subject dangerous thing to say i personally though <laughs> steeple steeple fingers oh yeah i was i was definitely yeah. uh yeah. Ooh, and <laughs> exciting I don't believe that the purpose of the Bible is to teach a systematic theology. I don't think that's it. How would you do that? Paul Paul was a limited human being, and he spoke from where he was. And you see his theology evolve and grow letter to letter. None of it's contradictory, but it adds on to it. And I think, I, I don't think if Paul was walking around now in America, America, mm-hmm. he would just look at his 2,000-year-old letters and be like, there it is, folks. That's all you need to know. We're done. You We're done growing. Answers. What are you doing? Yeah. I think he'd be like, why are you guys still arguing about this thing that I was said 2,000 years ago? What's happening right now? He was instructing his churches that he planted in things that they were going through. Mm -hmm. And he said things like, it is shameful for a man to wear long hair. And we know from nature that that is so. He said that a woman should not speak up in church but should wait till she goes home and talk to her husband. Yeah. You're like, how many Christians now are going to say that's absolute, that yes, yes. I you would, know? and this is not to alienate or offend anybody, but I would say too many people. There are a lot who is still, and I get it because yeah. it is still uncomfortable. There, there are still things that there's not a lot that I'm uncomfortable with anymore in the Bible. Sure. But there, there, there was certainly, a time in my recent history where 
immediately upon hearing a woman preacher. Something goes off in my brain because I've been trained to think, but women aren't supposed to teach men. There's yeah. something there's something off about that, right? Because I grew up in a context where that was kind of taught. There weren't there weren't female preachers in, in my mm-hmm. my uh my tradition where it was. Um Yeah. No, I I I share this story. So again I went to a Baptist college university pardon me (laughs) but i was in a world literature class where one of the very first things we read was you know the hebrew bible when you read genesis and exodus from like a traditionalist mindset hebrew bible translation it was in english but this was not niv kjv esv this was like translated with the express idea of being as true to the ideas that we could get. And the quickest way to find, at least I found, to offend people and alienate yourself in a Christian environment is to be the kid, you know, I know from personal experience, is to be the kid who asks in class whenever, you know, we're discussing what we read. I was like, take this completely out of a personal bias. Like, to take this, take this as a complete fictional story. Like, take the story of uh, of Noah. Is God the good guy, or see the antagonist? And man, did that open up a lot of a lot of worms <laughs> whenever I even dared to say that God could be the bad guy in this story. Like he's de- like, and I I would to the, to this day argue in a if you're looking at it in a fictional way without any personal bias towards the character of God. God just decided to burn, you know, scorch earth the world and Noah just kind of had to deal with it. And then God's like, oh, my bad, rainbow. Like, that's tough. Like, you know, in a completely fictional mindset, is this guy, this guy good? Or is this like a pretty crappy thing to do? That definitely did not earn me any bonus points in class that day to have that mindset. But I bet. No, it definitely um, – I think it's definitely something that you say and you picked up on. It's There has to be – some of the things that it's interesting to watch, like this more personal idea. Again, it's like this new Christianity I talk about, like this new age where it's like it's very personal. It's very relationship-based, like – I hear people all the time in my social group around me like talk about God as if you're like he's like a best friend. Like and I think there's a healthy amount of that, but also God's to be feared. God's a smiter. God does a lot of things that was like to basically designed to send a message and hurt people to send that message. And uh it's difficult to look at stuff without this really personalized view. It is. Um and it's just one of those things that's very, very interesting. Yeah, to watch especially happen. as a moderner who's not used to stories like that. Yeah, that's not what the good guy looks like. Yeah, Captain America's the good guy, <laughs> but he he does beat people up pretty bad. Yeah, I mean that seems kind of mean. Spoiler alert. Yeah, um, yeah. Any, I I think any time you ask a question to somebody and their hackles go up, they become frustrated or angry or intimidated it's because that question is scary to them it, yeah. it, it 
it's challenging their way of perceiving what, what they see as the answer that they already have. So you can, you can ask me any question about God or religion or faith or Christianity, and I'm okay because I have a foundation now that I think is very solid, mm. and I recognize that I don't understand everything. So if you come to me and you say, hey, this is super uncomfortable, can you talk to me about this? Either I'm going to say, yeah, dude, I totally understand why that's uncomfortable. And here, let me show you something that helped me get, get through that mm-hmm. and help me make more sense of it. Or I might just say, dude, that is really uncomfortable. That's And I don't know why. <laughs> it just is right now. Yeah. I, I believe that there, there's there this God I serve wants me to understand something deeper here and wants me to get to know him better. But man, this is hard. So either way, it's like, I don't know. Or here, I, I think I do understand better. I think I had a friend quoting who I believe they're quoting Matt Chandler on this. Um, but they said, they, they, they came to me with the idea, this is a Bible study, we were reading through Acts. We just got done reading John, but we're reading through Acts now. And I read Acts 5, which starts off with the story of... Uh, the, the the married couple who sell their land and didn't give all the money to the church. Ah, uh, Ananias and Sapphira. I know, right? Those those guys. Uh, that that Adventures in Odyssey episode scared the crap <laughs> out of me as a kid. Was that actually an Adventures in Odyssey? It was episode? in Adventures in Odyssey, and that's like, hilarious. The voices are super dramatic, and the the deaths are just like, whoa. Yeah. So I, I'm that's reading scary. it because again, like I'm really coming back to this for the first time in a very long time. Like. This is the first time in my adult life I'm reading through the Bible without like the lens of being a kid and everything like being presented to a kid like everything's great. And like, Veggie Tales read, effect. Yeah, I mean read any story like there are so many Bible stories like I'm even coming across now I'm like what the hell is like this was not Yeah. Nobody told me about Nobody that told me that David's son raped his daughter. It's oh my gosh, it's so much. But it's like um Acts 5 they have you know all the story where you know, Peter basically says, "Like you did, like you did this really crappy thing, and now you're gonna you're you're gonna die, like you're sentenced to death uh, because you didn't give full one hundred percent to the church." And I'm like, "What the hell? Like I'm really struggling with this because as somebody who is not a hundred percent to the church at all right now, like I don't know if I'll ever be able to be to the a hundred percent. Like what does that say to me?" And, like, one of the guys in the Bible study who I really respect, but he was bringing up the idea of, like, you know, the saying that, you know, Jesus would much rather you be 100% against or 100% with him rather than trying to be halfway and half. Um, and it's like, I don't I can't do that right now. And what does that say to me? And, like, what is this message saying? Like, if I can't give everything, then why I might as well give nothing. And I had to stop. I literally, I didn't say anything the entire time in the Bible study. And then eventually near the answer was like, Scotty, what are, you, what are you thinking of right now? And I'm like, I didn't like this. I didn't like it at all. Anyway, so yeah, the, the, the point being like the idea of like if you read the Bible and you don't find something that completely wrecks you and pisses you off and gets you angry and gets you so frustrated, you're not reading it right. Like the Bible's 
gonna like if you you can't go into this being like yep 100% believe everything because it's just I, I don't think that's how it's meant to be read so I think some of it's supposed to be hard and difficult and painful and that was a thing it was like I couldn't really read a lot of this chapter afterwards it just didn't work because it was like a the stories people getting killed for their sins and it's like and also John and Peter went down to like no 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 we don't get to the hard we don't get the Bambi cut this where like Bambi's mom dies and then there's flowers and birds and animals singing like mm -hmm. I'm not ready to move on yet that's still messing me up so yeah I, I try to really hold on to that it's okay to be upset it's okay not to understand it it's okay to be angry and frustrated and I think in many ways it's it's and again I'm not any sort of expert I'm very much a baby in this in this religion it feels like but um, and this religion that I, again, like, I'm not even hundred percent sure if I'm a part of it yet. I'd like to say that I am, but I'm not sure if I am yet. Um, it's, I think it's okay to take a step back and truly have to sit on stuff like that. Yeah. Cause I've still, that was a couple weeks ago. I never reread that and I'm still left up by it. It's still sitting with me. It's like, am I even welcome? It's God want me here. If I'm not ready to go ahead 100% this. No, he definitely does. Yeah. I think God's less interested in how much you give than in how you give it. And, I mean, in the story, in that particular story, um, Peter doesn't say that the reason this happens is because they didn't give enough. He says, he says, while the property was yours, was it not yours to do with as you wished? So why did you conspire to hide part of it. I think the point of the story is Peter saying, you're, you're just trying, you're trying to lie and keep something back. You just give what's on your heart to give. I mean, Paul says it later, like each person should give according to what they feel that they should. It's not about a certain amount or meeting some quota, which, by the way, the whole, like, 10% thing is kind of bogus, too, people bring it up, like the tithe stuff. I don't think, I'm not saying it's bogus to give to the church. I'm saying, if you're looking at that and saying 10%, there we go, I did my 10%. The tithe was a 10%. And then there were, like, these other things that were higher percentages that you were also giving. And the tithe is not taught in the New Testament as a rule of thumb. Like a, reckless like a, like generosity. Something to meet. Reckless generosity is what's taught. If someone asks for your coat, give them your cloak also is what's taught. Mm. Um, yeah. Like really seeking in your heart, what should I be giving? And the idea that no matter how much you give, you'll be provided for. The poor widow that Jesus watched put in her two little pennies. That was all she had. In God's eyes, it was worth more than all the gold pieces that the, the rich people were putting in because it doesn't matter to them. It didn't matter. They were just, they were checking off the box on the list. The widow gave because she was like, this is all I got. I just, I want to give it, so I will. If the widow had went and she had two pennies and she was like, I need, I'm going to buy bread for my family with this one and I'm going to give this one to God, he would have loved it just as much. Mm. Well, I mean, who am I to say? I don't really. Uh, I talk don't to God quote all the me. Time. 
And he says that you're wrong. Oh, I talk to him, and he usually doesn't say you're wrong to me, but he just laughs. Do you? <laughs> this, this is something that while we're on the topic of like uh, the the, the relationship based thing, this is a question that I've really struggled with, and something that has been on my mind is this concept of like th- talking to God and God telling you things in return all the time, like. I will say, to open this up, I have only had one experience in my entire life that I would feel as a religious experience. I was singing as a part of a choir at college, and it was a reunion thing. Like, this group that had been singing, like, like this, uh, it's called the Washita Singers. It was a choir, it was like the top of a choir at the, at the school, basically. And so they had a reunion from like years and years and years, decades of people were invited back to sing with the people in college. And we did this whole big reunion thing. And um, one of the old choir directors, Dr. Wright, uh, he came back and directed one of the songs. And he directed this song called Our God is God. And he basically said like, look what's on the music. Like look look at the page, throw it out. We're not, we're not following that. Like just follow me. We're going to sing these notes. We're going to use these words, but, watch me follow me i'll make this we're gonna make this our own and like singing in that group of over like 150 people and like seeing these words and like i felt god in my heart for the first time and only time in my entire life i felt god and that's very special to me and like it's one of the reasons why i really miss singing in like in a in a group setting um i have a lot of friends who talk to god like they're on speed dial like you say, like, uh, it's like, why did you do this? Well, I talked to God about it. And God told me that like, it was like, this was the, the best idea. And that makes zero sense to me. I don't understand it in the slightest because like, it's like one of those things like you have, you have to ask your questions. Like, am I defective? Am I doing this wrong? Like, are you crazy? Am I crazy? Something seems wrong here. There's this musical called a chorus line. And one of the songs in the show is called nothing in which this, the, uh, the woman singing it is detailing her like experience at like an art high school and um like she's in these acting classes and these professors are telling these students like feel the wind and the cold around you and all these other kids are doing it and they're getting it and they're like yes yes it's excellent you're really getting it. you're nailing this and she's like i can't f- i don't i don't feel anything like you tell me to feel the cold i can't feel the cold it's not cold it's warm outside She's telling me to feel the wind. It's we're indoors. How am I supposed to feel this? And they're like, like, she feels defective. That's the whole point of the song. It's like, I feel nothing. And I'm like, damn it. If that doesn't like reflect how I feel about religion, sometimes we're like, how can everybody else, not everybody else, but how can these people have God tell them that like a conversation is good to have? Like, Oh, I can talk to this person. Like that's a good idea because God told me that. God doesn't talk to me. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? You know, that's, that's such a frustrating thing for me. I don't know why I went on this master spiel, but I don't know. Just thank you for listening and respond. You yeah. have five minutes. Yeah. No, it's such a weird topic. It's so weird because Christians all kind of do it different. And depending on which, um, like, uh, denomination you're from, like it looks very different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Protestants, 
do it in Protestants and specifically Pentecostals do it in the way that is most obvious. Um, and it's really tempting to find yourself in those environments and see other people doing it a certain way and hear about it and think, what's wrong with me? I don't do it that way. Yeah. I don't experience it that way. I don't see God that way. And I think that's normal because you get into a group and they're all doing things a certain way. You're like, I just don't know how to do it that way. I can't. And I will right off the bat tell you and anybody listening who struggles in that area, don't think that you're supposed to look like a church that you go into. God wants you and you're different than everybody else. And I think there's probably a large part of what looks like or is perceived as and maybe even is Christian spiritual experience that is at least in part brought on by the environment of the room full of people all doing this together. Mm -hmm. I mean, people experience that at concerts, you know. It's emotion. It's moving. There's more to humans than what they're intellectually processing. There's so, we're so incredibly complex, and our emotions and our, our mind are all wrapped up together. So I'll say that. Um, and I don't think there is a certain way we're supposed to talk with God or experience him. I've never heard, like, an audible voice. I've heard of people who have I'm like that's that's wild and I've also always had a lot of things going on in my head all the time um so anytime I like kneel down or sit down or close my eyes and just try to pray and be like god tell me something and you, you got to be clear I always say this I'm like look if you want me to know what you're saying you got to be really clear I'm because really there's a stupid. there's a lot going on in my head <laughs> um So I don't, I don't, I don't experience him that way. The way God communicates with me is unique to me, and for me, it, it's very like feeling based a lot of the time because I feel a lot of things. I'm very emotional, mm. and I like I feel God in the wind, and when I listen to the birds, and I kind of see the sun, and all these all these things that just are really good reminders of him to me that are like a hug kind of sure and in the weirdest most like idealistic romantic way i can put it <laughs> um a lot of the time though if i feel like god has spoken something to me air quotes there around spoken it's just through other people speaking into my life in a way that somehow just lines up just right or just lately um a feeling like i ought to do something hmm. do you ever get these kind of urges you're like i i i i should say that to that person sure right i really should ask that question i want to ask that question and recently I've been trying to respond to that better and just do it. Um, it's 
probably I haven't like I can't actually recall every specific instance so I'm not going to say always but probably always makes me very uncomfortable and is always challenging for that reason it pushes me outside my comfort zone and makes me do something that I would like to do but I'm afraid to do Mm. and that right away is a good sign to me I'm like well if I'm afraid to do it and it's pushing me outside of my comfort zone I feel like I should I probably should yeah and then I do, and every single time I do, it turns out great. Hmm. Like, the, the the result of it is very positive every single time. And that, to me, is God communicating to me. And I recognize that not everybody's going to understand that or relate, but why should they? Why should the way God speaks to your heart as an individual who is completely unique, there's only been one you, why should the way he speaks to you make sense to somebody else? It's a great point. It doesn't need to make sense to somebody else. If he's just speaking to you, he'll speak to you in a way that you understand. And I think discovering who you are in him and what's true of yourself is really important to be able to distinguish, like, what what is it that's true right now? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing and it's not easy. It's very difficult, and it's not clear yeah. all the time. And it's like, this is my. This has been my experience. There have been times when I wished it was easier and more clear, like an audible voice, for instance. But seeing as I've never experienced that, I don't know that I would actually respond to it better than I do. Better than I respond to how he does communicate with me. Great point. I think we tend to think. This is what I want. If God would just speak to me audibly, that'd be great because then I could perform. I could do what he wants me to do, that kind of thing. Mm. If God would just tell me what I'm supposed to do instead of giving me all these decisions, all these options to choose from, then I could just do it. There was a stage in my life where that was that was a really difficult lesson for me to learn. I was coming up against all these different forks in the road and struggling because I thought, ah, I don't know which one is the one I'm supposed to take. Mm. Which one is right? And I talked to, I would talk, I was, remember talking with a friend about this and her telling me that the reason God put these choices before me is that he trusted me and he wanted me to make decisions for myself. And that was so strange for me because I was told, you're bad, your sin, your nature is evil, and you have always this tendency toward doing the wrong thing. So everything that you want is wrong. To do anything properly, rightly, righteously, you have to set up before God and say, do I do this or do I not do this? That was how I was taught, mm. unintentionally or otherwise. That's what I was taught as, as a young person. And so that's how I lived. I didn't make decisions for myself because I didn't trust myself. And I think God gives us what we need. At that moment in my life, I needed to learn to trust myself. and I needed to learn that I could make good decisions. And I could do things with a good heart. And good things would come of it. So that's kind of a glimpse into what my experience of communicating with God is like. Mm. 
is a feeling of like nudging a lot of the time. It's rarely, I have this question, God, please give me an answer. And I let my Bible fall open and I put my finger down. <laughs> and there's the verse that says, and then Peter walked to the left. And I'm like, yes. I'm supposed to go left. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be a liberal. Like, <laughs> you know, like that's. And you've just lost multiple, yeah, multiple yeah, listeners yeah. with that yeah. one question, with that one statement. And it's like, that, that's not been my experience. I'm not saying that it hasn't been anybody's experience. I'm very open-minded, and I fully recognize and believe at this point in my life, look, God can do whatever the heck he wants. If he chooses to speak in an audible voice to somebody, that's amazing. And I, based on you know what the experience was and what they say about it, sure. may well believe, yeah, that was God talking to you. I'm not going to say that means now we should all hear God's audible voice. Why? It doesn't need to be true of everybody. You know, like, I'm trying to think of another silly example from the Bible. Um, we do, right, the whole, you have the, we have the Holy Spirit, right? When the Holy Spirit descended on people at the day of Pentecost, right? Big deal. There were tongues of that looked uh, tongues of fire floating above people's heads that people could see. That doesn't happen anymore. Mm. That doesn't mean that people don't have the spirit of God dwelling inside them. We're not going to deny that. But never once, even in very Pentecostal settings, have I heard anybody claim that you should you should expect a tongue of fire to appear above your head. That seems like one heck of a list of instructions. Like, yeah. Step one, open Bible. Step two, talk about God. Step three, fire. Yeah. And I, I didn't, like... I never had issue with that. I never had an issue with wondering whether there should be a tongue of fire above me why do we have why is it so hard for us to believe that somebody experiences god by walking around in the woods without a bible we want to put all these parameters around how people experience or communicate with god and what we're doing is saying to god no 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 you we have the bible you gave us the bible you talk to us through the bible which is true. But you can't limit him and say, this is the only way you do it. You know, if if a Christian asks you, especially one who's kind of in a role of, of sort of being a disciple or a teacher of people, mm-hmm. if he asks you, how, how, how's your time with God been lately? You know what he's asking? He's asking, have you been reading your Bible? And what's your prayer life like? Yeah. Do you get on your knees, close your eyes and fold your hands? Um, and do you read your Bible? If the answer to your question is, man, I really, I, I love to drive with the windows down on a sunny day or any day. I just, I love driving with the windows down and it just puts a smile on my face. And I just, I kind of feel God with me that whole time in that experience. It's so peaceful to me. They won't tell you, oh, that's garbage, but they'll say, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, I do think it's really important to read your Bible. <laughs> like, 
Well, I didn't say it was it, but it's I'm it's just saying there's something else. Pregnant pause between like that's great, yeah, yeah, but but you're like you're really going to hell for that. You have you that, done right? this other thing that you really you you supposed to do this? Thing? Hell's kind of a bad place. You don't yeah. want to end up there. Which That'd is another conversation that we're not going to get into right That'd now. Be a bummer. But I'd be happy to have that conversation with people. <laughs> uh, so if you're looking to have that conversation, contact Joel. Yeah, this is going to like be, this could be the opener podcast episode to go in deep every time into like. Uh, it's called- I have this uncomfortable thing about the Bible, and I. I I heard that you like are willing to talk about these things. It's gonna be called Joology. Jo- no, no, it's I don't be. believe in systematic theology. Remember, <laughs> it's not systematic. It's Joology. It's very fluid. Joel doesn't believe in anything. <laughs> no, I very much do. I, I just, believe in everything, and I believe in nothing. I believe in certain things, but I believe I could be wrong, and that's the difference between me and a lot of people. I think that I think fluidity is something that we severely lack, not only as a as a, as a body of of religious people, but as people in general. Yeah, that's so why I think a lot of the things that have come up recently in life, and uh, you know, people expanding sexuality or gender, or all these things that have been very strictly like you're you're one or you're the other, and that's it. And so many people, it's very uncomfortable to get into the idea of like. No, it's, there's a lot there, and it's like no, I no, no, it doesn't, no, uh, no, and it's just it's interesting. It's one of those like I think it's very similar to what you're expressing, where it's like, what does it matter? Like, who am I to say that you don't experience this this way? I think it's really hard for us to recognize that the world is not only an objective place, but it is also a subjectively objective place worldview and world experiences may seem objective, but they're really tailored to what your world is like to you. My world and what I live in, I may live in the same world as somebody who is from Malaysia, but we live in two different worlds. Like our experiences and how we view reality around us are very, very different. I think it's interesting to think about like, at what point are you allowing your view of the world impact somebody else's life in a way that is grossly unhealthy and uh, in many ways, at least in in certain opinions, unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a line, I think, there. I think there's definitely a a point where you're like, okay, yeah, we got to step in on this one. You can't, you can't do that. That's bad. Mm -hmm. But uh, a lot of things are just like, why does it matter? Why does it matter? Yeah. And I think that's the important question. It, it, I think it does matter. I think everything matters. I just think we're not actually exploring the question enough. Know why you believe something and believe it until you find a better reason. Mm-hmm. But don't be closed off to the possibility that you could find a better reason. Like There's foundational belief, but there's also rigid foundational belief. I think one is toxic and one is not. And if your foundation is pretty intricate, that's not your foundation. Those are walls. The foundation is just a flat bottom. It's, it's what you build everything on. So I think I think we we're a little too quick to build foundations. We're too quick. I was too quick. I'll say I. I'm talking about me. Mm-hmm. I was too quick, even if you call 
24 years quick. I was too, way too quick to form a bunch of ideas that I made completely integral to my foundation. Mm. So when those things started breaking apart, I started breaking apart. They shouldn't have been a foundation. They should have been walls that could be built up. And then when I realized they're not strong enough, they come down and I'm okay. And now I built stronger walls. I'm not talking about emotional barriers. I'm talking about other stuff. I mean, I I don't think I don't know, I've I've been in I've been in therapy for a very long time, <laughs> and <laughs> I've talked to many 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 different psychological thinkers. I think walls and barriers are very very healthy. Yeah, when used in a correct way. Yeah, which is why I said I'm not talking about emotional barriers. I think even emotional yeah. barriers are yeah. still fine. Oh yeah yeah no no I'm, not, I'm no I'm completely not getting into that subject oh, in, yeah. in what I was saying. That's next week's podcast. That's that's different, and I'm even less qualified to talk on that subject. I I so just mean I just mean me. if, let's I, get crazy. the the lenses through which you view reality are probably cloudy and it's okay if they break because they were were cloudy. Mm -hmm. You you don't see anything perfectly. So be okay when that lens breaks and you have to make something new. You have to start seeing something differently. Hopefully, the way that you build your perspectives is thorough and it makes sense to you. You have to, I have to test everything in my life. I have to have good reasons for believing the things that I believe. And if somebody else can come along and through whether or not they try and if they can poke holes in it, I have to now examine it. It's my responsibility to say, is this thing good enough? Could it really stand the test of time? Am I going to have another life crisis at some point because I'll be holding on to it when it cannot hold together any longer and it breaks? Or am I going to recognize that it is impermanent and it is imperfect and be okay when someone else shows me that? Because I already have that assumption. I have that assumption now that every perspective I have is in some way flawed. I don't think that 100% of everything I believe is completely wrong. Mm. I think that 100% of what I believe is less than 100% accurate. It, it can't be like if I was done, yeah. if everything, if 100% of everything I believed was 100% accurate, I'd be, I'd be done. Congrats. Yeah, That's congrats. Great. I'm God now. I mean, you can kill me still, but <laughs> otherwise I'm God. Please don't kill me. <laughs> I like my life now. <laughs> I... uh <laughs> <laughs> do you like how I can be on the heaviest thing and it immediately turns into a joke? That's the thing. The flip I mean, of a switch. There's, 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 that's just brevity. And that's just, uh, it's just nice. I'm Is not, that one of those things you can brevity. order at Starbucks? Yeah, yeah, that's just uh, life with half and half. Can I have brevity, please? <laughs> I've always liked the idea of going into a coffee shop and ordering something that's just, like, just so confidently ordering something that it just does not exist. Like the problem saying, is though you go to Starbucks and it's there. Like, can I have a unicorn? Like, no, yeah, like, you do can. Do something that's just, just <laughs> insane. Like, but like, uh, uh, I'll do an espresso. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hold the line. 
and uh, just like all this, and just like, keep going, and you're just yeah. like, and that, that barista is gonna stop, yeah, and they're gonna question everything they've ever thought. Extra salt, please. Yeah, extra salt. And I do, that. I do like the strawberries on the side, so you, you we can keep those. Yeah, but the ice cream is no, no go on the ice cream. Yeah, so cook it rare, by the way. You ordered a cup of water. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. Oh, speaking of weird uh, drink, this is a complete. We're going way back. Like we just okay. jumped off the heavy subject, and we're going down to stupidity. Good. Did you see the ranch latte thing that we posted at the at the show? I did. I did. Can see you it. please share with me what your thoughts were? Well, it was April first, so I was immediately like, "Oh, there's a ranch bottle next to like a cup of coffee. This is a joke. I wonder what she did about it." Yeah. Like, whose idea was that? So I woke up. There's a group text I have with two of my other coworkers. And it's a really good group because I'm on one side of a, like a spectrum of personality. And then Ashton, lover the death, is on the other side of that spectrum of personality. And MK is just in the middle mm-hmm. between the two of us, just smack dab in the middle of that two personalities. And so we all get along very, very well. But it's such a beautiful, weird dynamic when all three of us get together because it's just like all over the place. Yeah. But Ashton sends a, a picture. This is 9 o'clock on April 1st. She sends a picture of uh, this tweet that basically says, like, sometimes I'll take ranch dressing and I'll put it in my coffee and I'll call it a Hidden Valley latte. And it's disgusting. And she's like, what do you guys think? And I'm like, we do it like we do a drink of the month at the shop, April drink of the month. And she's like, you know, that would actually be really funny as an April Fool's joke. Too bad I didn't think of it earlier. And I said, we got we got time. There's still time. It's nine o'clock in the morning. We got time. Yeah. And it quickly snowballed into basically somebody says something that's a really funny idea. And I'm always that person who's like, no, we're doing that. And they're like, no, 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 it's no, no, it's no. I don't, that's no, a joke. We're, we're you, Scotty, we're, what are you talking it's, about? It's, it's, it's happening now. And so I uh, not only created the picture, I made the picture, I edited the picture uh, using my fancy iPhone 7 camera. <sighs> it's good stuff. Man. Those megapixels. Um, probably more like kilopixels at this point. Um, but, uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a programming joke for you guys at home. Um, I actually made the drink. I went and bought a bottle of ranch at Dollar General. It's close by the shop. Okay. I made the drink, yep. an ounce of ranch, espresso, milk, ice. I made it iced. Okay. And so I convinced not only MK, who was working with me at the time, but two girls, like two customers who come in a decent amount and they were having fun with us, like talking about it. I convinced them to try it with me. I'm not kidding. It is the worst thing that I've ever put into my body. It is. It was vile. Wow. And I had a lot of really bad nights in college. Like that, <laughs> that, that ranch latte, the Hidden Valley latte was horrific. It was a good idea. It was, it was a terrible good. idea. No, no, no. It was, it was a good April Fool's. Oh, like, yeah. The way you worded it, too. I don't know. Did you write the thing so and everything? I wrote the breakdown where it was like the herbaceous notes of the of the ranch when paired with the general acidity of the espresso create a overall pleasant idea. Like, I, I, yeah. I did that. It's very but well Amber, done. Amber wrote the rest of it, who's the owner and owns, you know, does the, the social media. Oh, my God. She posted that. I'm like, you killed it because it looks exactly like everything else we ever post. And... I just loved reading the comments of people who were just disgusted, who were just so upset. It's amazing that the internet's been around this long. 
and people have been doing April Fool stuff on the internet for this long, and some people still believe those things when they go up. Well, I think, and they don't look at like the calendar and like, oh, because like April last 1st. year, April first was canceled. I think we all agreed during the early parts of the pandemic. We just all agreed that April first yeah, was supposed that. to happen. Like we there were, just, were probably like, memes about like April Fools twenty twenty blah. Like, I think we all agreed that it was not the time. So we just put it all on hiatus and didn't allow it to actually exist. So whenever it came back, and I also have very firm beliefs on like what you can joke about and what you can't joke about. Uh, like don't tell somebody you're in an accident or you, that you're pregnant. Never tell anybody that you're pregnant unless you're a guy. If you're a guy, if you're a guy. That's it's always fair game. Uh, I do it all the time. But never tell your mom if you're if you're a young lady out there who would be like. I think a general rule is that the other person should laugh whenever they find out it's a joke. That should be funny. If it's not know funny, your audience. Yeah, if it's not funny after the, they they know the truth, then you have told a really bad joke. Yeah, that's just on you. But yeah, I'm just I'm I'm glad that that was is public because that was not my idea, but it was definitely my masterminding plan, and mm-hmm. it was so much fun. Good job doing something that was that stupid. You got to do stupid things sometimes. I don't know if I told this story. You want to hear a stupid story? Um, Always. A stupid experience? So there was the snowstorm, right? That happened a couple months ago. When was that? That was, uh, that was actually about about a month and a half ago. Because it was my... It was right after, was it February? It was mid-February because I had my birthday on February 12th. And then right after that, we hit an entire week of whiteout. Okay. Okay. So funny story. My car wasn't running pretty much at all that whole week. I'm surprised your car runs at all. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> Shout out to Rami. Um, Rami, if you're listening out there. <laughs> um, so my car wasn't running. There was kind of just like a general feeling of, we're just going to kind of wait this out and have fun with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. So what exactly were we doing? We were hanging out here, me and my roommate, JC, and David. And we watched Ready Player One. Incredible. I'm pretty sure we watched that movie that night. And the movie ended. And they, like, we walked outside. And we checked the temperature because that's what everybody's doing at the time. It's like, what, I wonder what minus degree it is. I was about is. to say, are we in the negatives? Oh, yeah, we yeah, are. Yeah, it was... I don't know if it was at this point. Mm. It might have been like 15 degrees or something like that. You know, a balmy mild, 15 degrees. Yeah, balmy. And they were like, we should go outside and see how long we can stay out. Something something to that effect. And so I just like waddle over to the door in whatever I'm wearing, which is socks and pants and like a t-shirt. And I step outside and I just stand in the snow on the balcony out there for a little bit. Yeah. And I'm like, my feet will get kind of cold. And I go inside. And they're, like, bundling up and putting stuff on. And they're about to go outside. And they're like, no, I did my time. I'm done. Uh-huh. And I have to go to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom. JC and David go outside. And I go and I sit down. And I'm like, it'd be really funny if I, like, put my basketball shorts on and just <laughs> ran, out, ran out there, like, basically naked. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm 25. Like, that would be a 25-year-old thing to do. Got to live those 20s while you can. And then I'm sitting there on the toilet. I'm like, yeah, but that would be stupid. 
I I could get sick or something. I gotta go to work tomorrow. That's <laughs> and that's your early your late twenties talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like morning Joel and nighttime Joel communicating <laughs> well. Um, but then JC comes back inside and he yells to me because my my bathroom door is open uh, most of the time, anyways. Unless like you know, it's open. Sure. It's two dudes living here. You know, we're not peeking in each other's bathrooms all the time. That we know about. Yeah. I'm not telling you what I do all the time. Internet people. Yeah, you can't see that he's actually crossing his fingers right now. He's totally yeah. he's totally lying. Yeah. But he yells like, Joel, you got to come out and see this. And I'm, I don't know if I responded like, see what? Or, or if I just didn't say anything. Sure. But in that moment, I was like, okay, now I have to, I have to go outside. So I got to do it now. So I got finished with my business. I put my basketball shorts on. And my tank top, and I, I was like feeling the adrenaline, like yeah. I was pumped, ready, ready for this experience because I knew it was gonna be intense. And I go outside, and I'm just immediately like, "Woo, woo, it's cold!" <laughs> and like, sprint down, not sprint, just like quickly, you know, what's that that um, walk that the football players do in between the tires? Oh, it's like um. I know what you're talking about. It's I do like, that kind like of thing. Shuffle. Yeah, I do that kind of thing down the stairs. Sure. And I start like, shuttle, like shuttle jogging down. speed, but trying to make sure I don't slip on anything toward them. And I'm like, <laughs> and getting my heart rate up. And I see them like bundled up, glass of whiskey, bottle of vodka, I think, yeah. and cigars, like slowly kind of sliding down the, the driveway in full gear mm-hmm. and i'm behind them and i start catching up and they turn around and see me and i walk past them <laughs> and i start realizing that my feet are becoming like really painful yeah and i turn around and they and jc's like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> <laughs> and i just i keep running and i run past and i go back and i'm like i'm on my way home at this point and I, but then I, I go in the yard too, and I'm like, I gotta make a big loop, and I make a big loop around the yard in the snow in my bare feet, and then I run up the stairs, and I like can't feel the bottoms of my feet at this point, mm-hmm. and I go inside and I lay down, and I don't have my shirt on at this point because when I turned around, I took off my shirt and was running. Which, you, that can actually, that you can run faster if you take your shirt yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. Aerodynamics, you know. I'm not a hairy man. I can't relate. Also, like. Any part of my body that was not in contact with freezing, like, ice felt great. The rest of my, like, my feet were just screaming. Yeah. So the rest of my ride is like, this isn't that bad. I got inside. Uh, my feet felt like they had just been burned. And I just laid down and started, like, trying to rub the life back into them and get blood flowing. And I'm convinced I gave myself frostbite because my foot felt my left foot particularly my right foot kind of got back to feeling normal my Mm -hmm. left foot felt like it had really bad sunburn for several days and then i started noticing that it was peeling so like thick patches of skin were coming off the bottom of my left foot Mm -hmm. and um yeah i'm glad i did it once i'm glad you didn't lose a foot that day yeah i i thought like there's no i thought a little bit that you know i could damage myself but I'm not going to be out there long enough 
to like really damage myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be out there long enough to permanently do harm. I'm close to home. I can run back inside whenever I want and be in the warm house, you know? Sure. So I wasn't that worried. And I'm, I'm glad nothing happened. Though. My foot's good. <laughs> feels totally normal now. You worked but, through it. Yeah. I'm glad I did it. I think most good stories start with, you want to hear this dumb thing I did? A lot of them do. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's a, it's a mark. I, I had a friend who I'm still very close with. And we always had a, we had a motto because we went to high school together and we had a motto because we would hang out quite a bit, um, that we, we, we were always wanting to do like, we never want to get in trouble, trouble, but we just constantly wanted to do things that somebody would look at us and go, stop, just stop, stop doing that. And that's all it would be. Like, it'd be like a, you know, better You're, you're come on. And then that was it. My, my favorite, one of those stories it was a night in high school. I was, it was my senior year. I was, I was 18 at this point, maybe 17, about to turn 18. It's not important. It just gives you an example of how uh, stupid I can be at this age. Where we, uh, the way that Russellville High School is set up, they built this brand new art facility that I mentioned earlier, but they had the connection of the original high school with this new building with like a sky bridge that connected over tops so was like a second floor and then mm-hmm. it connected to the other building. Well, under this is a hill that goes all the way up into the top part of the main campus and under the parking lot. So it was a night in which there was four or five of us hanging out. Namely one of the guy I'm mentioning, uh, his name's Cole. I uh, love him. Uh, Cole, if you're watching this, I love you, buddy. Uh, watching, listening. If, if you're watching, I'm so impressed by your dedication. <laughs> I was, I'm very, I'm very, uh, I'm both intrigued and concerned <laughs> of what else you might be seeing. Whatever bug is in Joel's room right now. <laughs> so we, uh, we, we were hanging out and at this point we had gone to like, are you familiar with what Hastings is? Um, the store Hastings? I, I know of it. I, I wouldn't say I'm familiar. So, so it's basically like your, your traditional, like. They had books, they had movies, they had you know video games, they had all this different stuff. It was just a big smorgasbord of entertainment stuff. The general store. It's the general store of entertainment that was, of course, uh, just terribly outdated by the, the, the mid-2010s. And unfortunately, the entire company is under at this point. But it was like the place to go in Russellville. It was the only thing you could do. And so you, we went to Hastings, dicked around. Uh, went to Dollar Tree, bought a bunch of really stupid, uh, like almost like I think it was like a Mardi Gras masks and stuff like that. I don't know why. You just don't you don't do anything that makes sense at this age. But we decided to drive to the the high school and just kind of hang out, hang around there. I like just you know driving around, and so I'm driving. Cole's in the in the passenger seat. Everybody else is hanging out in the back. I get to the bottom. Where there's like a parking space right before you hit where the, the, the pavement that's under the sky bridge and then up the grass hill into everything else. And so like we're parked right there and I just start making a joke that I'm going to drive onto the sidewalk and Cole says the words that you should never say to a 17, almost eight year old, 18 year old reckless child, which is you wouldn't do it. Like, <laughs> I bet you wouldn't do that. So I slowly creep on to the sidewalk and. Uh, everybody's like, uh, you know, freaking out, but like, we're still, you know, we're still fine. But then Cole, again, the instigator, he's like, 
but you wouldn't drive up the hill right now. Like the hill that connects to the parking lot at the top. Like it is a, it is a sizable thing. And he says that a pause and then I just gun it. And we're all screaming basically with like weird adrenaline and excitement as I'm driving up my high school into the parking lot. And we're all freaking out like, yeah, we just did this thing. And then like two seconds later, we're like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 we should not have done this thing. And so we go around. It had rained the day before. So I drive back around and I see there are definitely clear tire tracks on the grass. Oh, yeah. Like very clear, deep tire tracks. And we're like, oh, shit. We're no, 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 no. And so, like, I, I make a couple of them go out. We put on the Mardi Gras mask so that nobody can understand, see who we are. And so we go, and we're trying to, like, patch up these, these mud tracks. This is, like, a Saturday. And so, like, I swear I, I'm screwed. Like, I just feel like everything that we've ever worked for, we, me and Cole were both, like, we were doing Shrek the Musical. I was Shrek, and he was Donkey. Like, we were in trouble. Uh, like, we were not going to yeah, we're gonna get kicked out. Like, <laughs> all this different stuff. Um, we get there on Monday and nobody says anything. Like we're just waiting for the hammer to drop. And it turns out like we had forgotten about this, but they were building a new athletic facility on the other end of the the high school campus. So there was like vehicles that were just driving around at all times, like, you know, construction vehicles. And at one point in the weekend, a construction vehicle had, gone the opposite way up the hill and left visible tire tracks right over where what we did and so we were like okay they just think this is gonna because like there's no there were no cameras i don't think like we didn't we couldn't find any cameras anywhere and so it was like okay they just think that that was a construction vehicle (sighs) we're gonna be okay we're gonna be okay i still like to think about that from time to time and i really hope that uh, the like a former administrator from the Russell School District is listening to this podcast, ready to like call the police on me, to like bring me to justice after this. Like all they have is your first and last name. That's all know? they need to know. I my name's Scotty Scott. I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one other Scotty Scott I know of, and we're actually good friends. That's what's your middle name? Can you say that? Edward. On yeah, it's Scotty Edward Scott. Man, do you want to hear the story? That's a pretty interesting story. Yeah. So. My mom named me after her maiden name, which was Scott. I was born Scott Edward Hobson. Hobson was my dad's last name, so the married surname. So whenever dad wasn't a part of uh, part of the picture for a while, like there was um, mom and my sister both like changed their name back to Scott. So it's Liz Scott and Katie Scott. And so then it was like, what do I do? <laughs> because you can't go Scott Scott. That'd just be silly. And so uh, we tr- we played around with the concept and idea of just changing my, my first name to something different, and it just never stuck. Like, it just didn't feel right. And I also, like, there was all, the things we, all these different things that we tried to make work, and it just wasn't going to work. So I, I went by Scotty Scott just, like, informally. Like, people just call me Scotty, and so, like, that's what I did. And so, like, I started that in sixth grade, and it just kind of stuck. Like, it was just my name. And legally, I was still Scott Hobson. It was still like in the school roster. I was Scott Hobson, but it was like this is what I was named. Uh, so then I, I was gonna just go back to Scotty Scott whenever I graduated high school. It's like this is not worth uh, Scott Hobson. Whenever I just graduated high school, like this is not worth it. This is gonna be a pain in the ass. Like whatever. And it was uh, my theater director 
they were announcing like these theater awards, end of the year theater theater awards at the high school. And she's like, this award presented to Scott Hobson. I'm like, that's not me. That's not my name. That's not who I am anymore. So I got legally changed after I graduated high school, right before I went to college. And uh, that's now legally my name. People still don't believe me. I've had multiple instances. Well, I've had at least two that immediately come to mind where I've ordered food and they didn't make it because they thought it was a joke. They thought my name was an absolute joke. And so they didn't make my food until I showed up. And they're like, oh, crap. I'm so sorry. We'll make that for you now. That's like the Homer Simpson thing earlier, Joey Jojo. Yeah, it's Joey Jojo, Joey Jojo Junior Mojo Shabadoo. Jojo. No, that was Powerpuff his, Girls. That was a that great show, but no, his name was Joey Jojo, Joey Jojo Junior Shabadoo. And Mo that's thought fact. it. Mo thought it was Homer posing as somebody. He's like, "That's the dumbest name I ever heard." Oh. And then the girl, guy runs out crying. You that's defile what happens. the Junior Shabadoo. That's what happens. We finally figured this out. I know. I'm so happy. It only took the three-hour so, mark. This guy walks into the bar, okay. Moe's Tavern, it's a really and he great looks just game. like Homer, except like a mustache or something else. Are we going to edit this into the the first part of the podcast? No, no, like that no, existed? not at all. No, people have to wait till the end. It's the secret ending. And, it's the post credits. And, and um, Moe's like, Homer, I know that's you. And he's like, Homer? Who is Homer? <laughs> My name is... Joey Jojo Jojo Junior Shabadoo. He's like, that's the dumbest name I ever heard. And he runs out crying. And Barney Gumble's like, Joey Jojo! And runs after him because I guess he knows him. They're good friends. Yeah, they're good friends. They go way, they go way back. Yeah. We're going to wind down now. Okay. We've kind of been winding down, maybe. Some deep breathing exercises, but some light the, stretching. I'd like at the end of every episode to ask the two highest pressure questions I know. I love it. Which is, what's your recommendation for people? Could be anything. Yeah. And then something something funny, which we already talked kind of about some of those, but that's how we end the show. Yeah. So do you want to hit me with that question or do I, do I just go? No, just go. Like, what's what's your recommendation for people? It can be anything. You can recommend tent tree toilet paper or fluorescent bulbs, um, <laughs> beards. I I both recommend and, and don't recommend beards. They're great, but they're also just a major pain. You know, you th- you think you shave your head and you're like free of responsibility, and then but then you have to wear a later. mask over your entire beard, and then oh. you have to like really brush it out to make sure that Joel doesn't take a bad picture of you for your po- for his podcast. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Is it is it? I, I don't mean to keep on adding parameters to your non-parameter question. Is it a product or is it like just anything? Anything. I knew it was going to be anything. And Everybody has. Part. Yeah, I know. This is what I mean. Like, it's this is really hard for people. Sure. Ask. Sure. I should, really should have prepared for this. I should have known this was coming. I've watched. I've, I've watched. I nobody seems that. to know until nobody so far has known that I, I that this is how I end every episode. Yeah. Because you don't hear that I do this unless you listen all the way through the end. Yeah. I should have remembered this. Um, I will say, here's something that I, I legitimately... I legitimately do recommend. It's that I think there's something beautiful about being an everyman when it comes to social interaction. And what I mean by that is that I've seen and have been a part of like a many a friend group where like that's your people. That's the people you're with no matter what. And that's great. That's so beautiful. I've been a part of like a couple and they've always been really, really fun. 
unfortunately, I think what you can run into too easily is that you can become a part of a, of a group dynamic that's unhealthy. You can think of like the group or you can think with the group's best interests and that's just toxic. It's unhealthy. And so one of the things I've put into motion ever since I came back to Arkansas from uh, my job in Pennsylvania that got, you know, shut down, I realized I was going to step back and realize like, I don't really have like all of my friends are like in one pot. I got to spread out here. Like I got to meet new people. I got to talk to different people. And what I've learned about that is that it's just so much better because you get to learn about people so, so much more and you get to see how people live their lives and you get to experience much more of how they are and how, and that reflects, reflects rather to you. I think like I have found relationships. Like that's a really cool thing about working where I've worked is that like, I get to meet a lot of people. I meet, you know, you, for example, is a really great example of that. I wouldn't have met you had I not worked at this coffee shop and took it as a challenge. Whenever somebody said, this guy's going to talk your ear off. I'm like, I'm going to talk his ear off even more. I got this. And I like, there are people of all ages, of all backgrounds that I've met uh, just through this one job and through other things that I've done. It's just beautiful to me. And so, you know, I guess my recommendation for people is that when you feel like you're comfortable around the group of people you're with, be willing to take a swing on a completely different type of person, whether that be like a different person religiously or a different person emotionally or like with their background or even their, their age or where they're at in their life. Big fan of people who are older and like allowing them to kind of talk with me through my mistakes. Like a lot of my friends, a lot of these new friends I'm making are in their thirties. And that's so great. That's so helpful because it's just nice to get to hear about their lives and see where they're at. And, and it's just very different and it's so helpful. Mm. So yeah, just openness is a beautiful thing and being willing to share is a beautiful thing. But I think being open to do different types of experiences and new different types of people is just such a, I think an underrated, undervalued thing. I think I would 100% recommend to other people. That's great. Yeah. I'm never disappointed with people's recommendations. They're never what comes to my mind. So I love hearing other people's brains and like what 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 from your life experience do you want people to to know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I love that question. I love asking people that. It's a good question. Yeah. I'm gonna steal that from you. Yeah. Uh, for my uh pop podcast calling people that I'm actually about to launch. Whoa <laughs> where we talk to uncommon people about their common stories. That's like the spinoff that I hope, well, not spinoff, but the other side of this that I legitimately fantasize about. Um, Where you um, like interview like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like what kind yes, of pizza do you like? Exactly. That is exactly it. That's fascinating. Where you get to hear like common people, right? And, and their crazy stories and their perspectives. And then there's an episode and they're like, and episode 65, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> hey, what's up, Matt? What did you get at the grocery store today? Yeah. You know, like stuff like that. Do I you buy whole Matt, milk or listen, 2% If milk? you're listening, I'd love to have you on. You seem like a really cool guy. I yeah, listened you to your episode contents. of the Joe Rogan show. It was great. You're a big Joe Rogan guy. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. But what anyway. Was it, what was the, the funny? Yeah, so we end on something funny. Okay. It can be a story. It can be a joke. It can be a knock-knock who's there. You can be... Yeah. Um, I would and say, on a high note. Do you have a – give me a prompt here. Like give me like a, a random question. It's like 
Like if if you were talking to a girl on Tinder and you had nothing else to say and you were just trying to spawn conversation, I'm the hot girl on Tinder and you're gonna play yourself. So you just came up with the prompt though. Oh, my, okay. Here we go. Are we talking about? Uh, I have a lot of really bad. Do you have group. a funny Tinder experience to oh, share? I have a lot of bad Tinder experiences. Um, I've done the whole dating app thing many, many a times, and it's, it's never successful. And I think yeah, even the people yeah. who like, I know a couple who met through Bumble, and uh, like that's how they met, and they're about to get married, and it's incredible. They're perfect for each other. And I think even they would say like, "Oh, it's terrible." Um, an interesting story was. Um, Oh, it's not really funny. It's more just like it, it's, it doesn't go anywhere. I'm trying to think about. Um, <laughs> it's always tough when you're think, thinking on the spot and you have like enough stories. Okay, this is actually something that happened recently. This was a rough situation. I, this is actually a story I told out in the kitchen uh, before we went on the air, uh, and I talked about it a little bit, but it's it's rough. So um, I I had so I dated a girl for almost two years. Um, and like that ended in March of 2019. And then after that, there was a time in which like, th- there were a, a series of, uh, of people. But like, after that, I went into a, a weird relationship with a girl. Like I had been in love with for, like four years and it was like the on again, off again, like, will they, won't they kind of relationship. And so like, we just, did that for a hot minute and that was a lot of just a lot but then like let's just say that that didn't end well and now we're really great friends she's engaged to an incredible guy and i'm really really happy for her um but then after that point i went on what what i I will lovingly refer to as my hoe phase where i was so broken and so just like starved for emotional support and attention that like i was just willing to do anything in in anybody Mm -hmm. unfortunately and so i um it was last summer. It was really, it was really bad. And there was a, was a, there was a girl who uh, I met and talked with. And we ended up hanging out a couple times, you know, doing stuff and hanging out. And we just didn't work out. It flamed out for a variety of reasons. Well, this is the first time in my entire history that I've ever run into somebody afterwards. It's a pretty big area, this area. Got a, there's a good amount of people in northwest Arkansas. But unfortunately, there's not enough people in Northwest Arkansas. And there's still some small town elements to it. Yes. So I was at a winery with a few of my friends on Saturday. We go into this small building and there's like, you know, the, the bar where you buy everything at. And, you know, uh, a little bit of an awkward situation happens. And um, we, you know, get our drinks and leave. And I say to my two friends, I was like, I have definitely been with the girl at the bar. Like, it did not end really well it was no nothing bad happened but it was just not a good situation and like she definitely i definitely i'm like 98 percent so sure it's that girl and i don't remember her name to be honest <laughs> like that's how bad this was and so then it's like are you sure i'm like i'm pretty sure and then she ended up like walking out to deliver food for somebody and i saw her like from afar and i'm like no that's 100 percent that girl and I'm like, i remember her name at that point and so like it was now a situation where it's like I don't want to go back inside, but I kind of want another drink (laughs) and I'm having to find the balance of like, how much do I want this next drink? I don't know. I'm going to go do it. So I went in and, um, beforehand I 
feel like she left the bar and had somebody else come forward just because she was felt really uncomfortable about the situation. I was like, I'll talk about it. Like I'll, I'll, I'll play nice. I it's, it's weird. It's uncomfortable, but it's not, I, I'm not going to run away from it. I'm going to own who I am and who I was. Um, but then there's no, no going back. Like this is going to happen. We're going to have to talk to each other coming up. Cause I'm going to get my frozen peach Bellini because I'm a real man and I can order a frozen peach Bellini yeah. in the winery. Mm-hmm. And it was very good. Um, it's like, Hey, can I get the, the frozen peach Bellini? And like, she's not going to say anything. She's very clearly like cold, cut off, not going to say anything. And I'm like, I'm not going to put it on this poor girl. Like I'm not going to say anything. And so then of course she has to ask, like, I don't know why she bothered asking, but she's like, what's the name on the tab? And I'm like, Scotty's got, <laughs> she's like, great. You're all taken care of. And like, I like leave and I'm like, okay, number one, you didn't have to ask. Like, you you know who I am. Like number two, you're not going to remember. Like, my name's Scotty Scott. It's not like Joe Smith. Like I'm, you're stuck with that knowledge forever. But that was truly, a, that, this was recent. This was like two weeks ago. And I, yeah. I, I'm not going to be able to forget that. It's like, oh, demons of the past coming back, haunting me. I got to, I got to atone for those sins. I kind of, I got to, I got to shout out to God for, uh, for letting me forgive on that one because, oof, uh, you can't run away. You got to kind of own who you are sometimes. And unfortunately I'll, that was a, that was a true statement in that, in that capacity. Man, I'll say this does not feel like a, a, a big place to me. It's, it, I, I run into people I know all the time. And, and even more so like not to extend this, I was at the coffee shop and I'm working and somebody randomly, this, this girl who's actually really cute now that I think about it. Um, I don't know why that's important, but I'll say it. <laughs> After that last story, I'll say it. Um, she was like, "So I used to work at this. I used to work at this sushi restaurant that's in the Walmart in Rogers, and it's also a craft beer place. I don't know why I worked there, but I did. I made good money. But I left. I worked from. I worked for them like mid August to beginning of October, and that's all I worked for them. And so I'm working at the coffee shop. This was like a month ago." Not even. This is recent. And she was like, I may be completely off base here. Did you used to work at Hisho Sushi in the in the Rogers Walmart? And I was like, I did. Now keep in mind, I have a mask on. My last job I wore a hat. And now I'm also bald. I have no hair on my head, in which I previously did. And I was also wearing a hat back then. How she even recognized me is befuddling to me. Befuddling. It befuddles me. But... Yeah, I mean, that's one of the clear things. It feels big, but there is a lot of smallness to it. Yeah. And how in a completely different city, one person remembers me from working a serving job at a really weird location sushi restaurant. It is truly, you know, it's a small town. It's a small town in a big place. A small town in a big place. A new country album that I'll be dropping this Monday. (laughs) Yeehaw. (laughs) Befuddles me.